Okay, folks, episode number 140 with the one and only king of cards, Ken Golden from Golden Auctions. Ken, how you doing? I'm doing great, Patrick. We hear you typing, uh, Tyler. I like you typing fast. We can turn that off. Uh, For some of you guys that don't know who Ken Golden is, here's what I will tell you. If you've been following uh, Bitcoin, NFT, stocks, real estate, whatever you're following, and you're not looking at the collectible market, you're going to want to stick around today for a couple different reasons. Ken, I think in 2012... Golden auctions did eight hundred thousand dollars. I want to say in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, give or take, you did a hundred million dollars. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Twenty twenty did a hundred million dollars, and last month alone, you did a little over forty million dollars. Correct. Which is insanity. <laughs> this is in cards we're talking about, right? Yeah. Collectible cards and comics and some of the other stuff. But we'll get into that, folks. Stick around. Meanwhile, before we get into everything, I want to make an announcement to you. We just got word this morning. It's all over the place. If you want to put it up, Tyler, so we can just get right into it, we'll comment into this before we get into uh, uh, Ken Golden and others. And I think Matt Sapala's on his way, but his flight's been delayed four or five times. He's going to join us right in the middle of it. So breaking news. Twitter shares soars more than 20% after Elon Musk takes 9% stake in social media company. Mm -hmm. So let me get this straight. So he's been teasing that he's going to buy or if he should start a company. We talked about this, whether he should team up with Hogan or not and Peter Thiel. He buys 73.486 million shares, which is 9.2%. Bought it for $2.89 billion. Within the first few hours, I think the stock went up 25%. Now it's 20%, which means on his $3 billion, he's already made $600 million himself. (laughs) And here's a kicker. Some people are like, well... I got a text right now from a CEO of a major social media company. He says, why is he saying passive? Which is a great question he's asking me. Why is he saying passive? Because I'm just a passive investor. I'm just a passive investor in Twitter, right? Elon Musk is saying to a passive investor. If you can look at who the biggest shareholders of Twitter are, look at this here, why it's so interesting. Zoom in a little bit. Morgan Stanley Dean Witter owns how much? 9.2%. What did Elon Musk buy? 9.2%. Now, now, why didn't he buy 9%? Why not 9.1? Why 8.8? Who buys 9.2% of shares? You only buy 9.2% of shares to say I'm the largest shareholder tying Morgan Stanley ahead of Vanguard Group. Who's third, by the way? If you can go a little lower. BlackRock is third. State Street Corp is fourth. Lone Pine Capital is fifth. Now, he's the same as Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. So, if you're listening to this, I kind of want to see your commentary below, what you think his motives are. I'm going to give you mine, but Ken, what are your thoughts about this announcement here? I mean, obviously, he's had some uh, issues with uh, Twitter, and um, <laughs> when you have that type of money, you can wield your influence. And um, he's saying passive because basically he's saying he's not going to be an activist investor, you know, not going to demand a change. But I think he's probably doing it and say, okay, guys. Um, try and delete me, try and uh, ban me, try and uh, take me down now. And, um, you know, realistically, when you have that type of money, you um, may want to live your life quietly and peacefully, or you may want to let people know that there is a uh, gorilla in the room and um, you're going to impose um, your will. Yeah, I, I like I like hearing that. Can, can you check your phone? Is your phone uh, Verizon or AT&T? It's uh, Verizon. Okay, can you turn it off because I don't know if you need to or not. Okay. If you can turn off the airplane uh, mode. Yeah, airplane mode would okay, be great. Sure. Sometimes it picks it up. And if you need to turn it on afterwards, you can. Sure. Well, so if you're Elon, is yes. this 
Because uh, this is breaking news. We're all just finding Absolutely. this out this morning. Absolutely. Is this an economic play? Is this some sort of political play? Yeah. You know, is this a social media play? We're yeah. talking about, you know, try to cancel Rogan. See what happens if you try to cancel Rogan and pull him off of Spotify. Who's the first call that he makes? You, you did a clip where he's yeah. the first call he makes is Elon Musk. And you bring in uh, Peter Thiel and who knows what they can create. So it's kind of like he's stepping in here to say, all right. I've heard the rumors out there of what I should be doing, what I should not be doing. So where do you think his mindset is? Is doing this on a random Monday morning? On This isn't April Fool's or April well, 4th. First now. of all, Ken knows this. When you're an operator building equity, you don't see anything helping increase your net worth or value than building up a company, right? I yep. mean, you just look at that and you're like, what do I care about buying Twitter? Do I need my $3 billion to triple? No. Do I need my three to become $12 billion? I promise you that's the last thing he's thinking about. This is not an economic plan. If he wants to do that, he'll just put $3 billion and start another company. Instead of calling it boring, he'll call it lame. You know, <laughs> and just go build that into a multi-billion yeah. dollar company, make his money back. No. There is a motive behind this. Mm-hmm. You better believe it. Uh, it, this reminds me of the, the, the scene from Bugsy. You ever seen the movie Bugsy? Yes. With Ben Siegel. You've seen the movie Bugsy? You know that one scene when he's driving in Beverly Hills in his nice Cadillac. I don't know what car it was. And he pulls up to this house, and he's like, I like this house. He gets out of the car, goes, knocks on the door, and he says, yes, what can I help you with? I'm buying your house. It's not for sale. Yeah, I know, but I'm buying your house. You need to move out. No, no, you don't understand. We're not selling this house. Yes, you are. What's the value? I'll pay you 50% more than it's worth. You need to move out. <laughs> he buys the house, right? Elon has the kind of money to just yeah. go in and say, hey, guys, you need to move out. This is my little thing here. Get out. I'm mm-hmm. buying this. Now, here's the thing. So there is no mm-hmm. – he's not making a move just because he's just making a move just to make a move. Guys like him don't do things like that. That sounds like that's an active investor if you, if you ask me. Yes, that doesn't sound too he passive. What, he broke it down, which is very important to know. He doesn't want the responsibilities mm-hmm. – of an active investor, but what would be crazy is the following, okay? There's only one guy crazier that many people on you know mainstream media may not want to buy Twitter, and that guy's a different guy. This is the one guy nobody wants buying Twitter because now if he takes control and people were bashing Jack Dorsey a lot mm-hmm. when he resigned, and they're like, well, so glad he's gone and all this other stuff. Now a lot of people are starting to realize maybe Jack didn't have as much power as he once did with the voting rights. So imagine if Elon calls Jack, then there's a comeback like, uh, you know, Brady coming back or mm-hmm. Michael coming back or, Ma- you know, one great of analogy right yeah. there for our card game. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, Jack Dorsey teams up with his PayPal mafia buddy, Elon Musk to take, you know, mm-hmm. the Twitter to the next level. What percentage and- do you think Dorsey still owns? I don't know what it is. I, I don't know up. if it's a big number. Do you think that's so. less than 9%? Oh, there's no question. Right? There's no question. No, it, 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 there's no question. I may be wrong. There may be a 12% number, but uh, 13% number is what it is. There's a, 2%. 2%. 2%. There you go. Okay, 2%. But 2%. That's in, yeah, 2%. So Elon Musk is now sitting there. So who knows what's going to happen? Now, there's a few other things. I mean, if he's really wanted to fulfill his move, if Elon really wants to fulfill his move, mm-hmm. he needs to buy a WAPO and he needs to buy a CNN. Meaning, not WAPO because WAPO is owned by Bezos. Bezos. There's no way There's he's no buying way he's WAPO. Yeah, exactly. But he needs to buy a WAPO. Like Mark Benioff bought Time Magazine. Bezos bought you know, WAPO. WAPO. Peter June bought LA Times for like 551 or some number like that. He needs to buy something like that. And then he needs to buy a media company. A CNN he can afford to buy. Mm-hmm. If he made a move to buy CNN, 
people would lose their minds if this guy made some of those moves. Pat, let, let me ask you, because up until now, correct me if I'm wrong, he doesn't own anything in the media or social media space, sure. does I, he? I don't know well, if he does or not. Okay, so obviously Tesla, obviously SpaceX, the boring company, the Neuralink. It's, up until this point, it's all been you know, electric or moon or space or something next level. Go to his deepest, darkest desires that nobody even thinks about. What is Elon doing with this? If, if this is his first foray into media or social media or, as you call, uh, virtual governments. Go there. Where do you think he's thinking? I don't know. I think Elon Musk is about freedom of uh, voice and expression, and he just wants to give that back to himself and others. And he's probably worried that he's pushing the envelope too much, that he may be the next guy to be silent. Mm. So why not buy an insurance policy? Like you and I buy a life insurance policy. I'm sure you want a key man insurance policy. Yep. This is his way of buying his Got own it. Key man insurance Try policy. to cancel me, y'all. I think Try. it's a brilliant, uh, brilliant yeah. move. Hats off to this guy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very, very good move. So it's a defensive move, if, if anything, at the very least, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, when you see Buffett buys silver, what are you doing buying silver? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you doing buying certain things that you buy? It's purely defensive. You do it in collectible industry as well, but you were going to say something. Go ahead. I was going to say something about Elon is um – the guy can wake up on the side of the bed and decide, I'm going to do that today. I mean, I'm wondering who he told before he was doing this. Did he clear it with his general counsel? Did he talk to financial advisors? Did he just one day go out and tell somebody, buy 9.2% of Twitter? Because, I mean, it's it, crazy. It, it, it is Elon Musk. Yeah. I mean, he is capable of spending $5 billion or do whatever. Do you think he did? Do you, if you have to put your, like, 50-50, 80-20, do you think he did or do you think he just made a move? Um... I would think it's 50-50. Okay, so you, wow. So are you saying you think he called what? anybody? Do you think he called to an to talk to he an advisor? He didn't call his uh, baby mama, ex-girlfriend. That's for sure. Um, she's no longer What's her face? Her. My uh, Grimes. Grimes. He, I know Do he didn't call her. Anybody? Do you think he called anybody? Do you I think, think, he just I think I, if there's anyone that strikes me as, as someone who's like, what do you think, guys? Here's what I'm thinking. I think Elon would, would seek some counsel. He seems mm -hmm. very reasonable. And even if someone said don't do it, I think he's, eh, to Ken's okay. point. So I you're more 70-30? Yeah, I think he, what about you, Pat? Ah, he made me think about I wasn't even thinking about that until Ken said that. I don't know, to be honest with you, because I would, I would say he asked because he's got the next three, four, five moves in place. I'm probably 70-30. How long do you think he's been thinking about this? Oh, a few months. Ever since uh, Spotify tried to take Rogan down, ever since... A bunch of people have been silenced on Twitter ever since Jack Dorsey resigned. Mm -hmm. I think this has been on his mind for a couple of years. Now, you're not shocked that this is his first play into media, meaning it's not Facebook, it's no, not Google, I'm not it's not YouTube, all. it's I'm not specifically Twitter. I'm, I'm not at all, and I don't think it's going to be the last one. But what is, what is kind of shocking is that it's Elon Musk, that Elon Musk is becoming this bastion of freedom and free speech. I mean, it's not like he's a conservative dude, right? He's supposedly red-pilled, but he left... Remember when he left the Trump administration because of all the backlash he was getting? Very early in 2016, yeah. he, was, he was counseling the, the administration, and he left. You know, this is one of the big knocks of the people on the right, is that they... they there are people with tons of money on the right, but they throw it all at these uh, think tanks that can't do anything, that don't do anything, that just waste it. But, you know, Peter Thiel just, just left Facebook. He was on the board of Facebook for, what, 15 years? He just left? Mm -hmm. And now Elon Musk is the guy that's stepping up. I mean, I think... I think he's going to cause a wave of people to step oh up behind it and say, listen, we have to put yeah. our foot down and get on these boards, spend our money the right way, do it correctly, and put up a fight because 
the, the fact that they can silence – I mean <laughs> Twitter and Facebook have more power than most government organizations around the world, right? They can literally silence anybody they choose. It's about time that, that people like Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and all those step up and – You know what I'm looking forward to seeing? Here's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I can't wait to hear the commentary of people who hate Elon Musk. I can't <laughs> wait to hear Elizabeth Warren's thoughts mm-hmm. on this. I can't wait to hear what they're going to say about a capitalist that's creating jobs, making the economy a better place. They're talking about EV, let's make it greener, whatever. Ain't nobody's been trying to do that more than this guy. He started the revolution. He started the EV revolution. But he gets the least amount of credit for it. So anyways, we'll see what's going to happen. And just Uh, wait until the government goes after it, man. I would not be surprised at all if the SEC tried to go after it Why are you putting that in their ears right now? If (laughs) SEC is listening to the podcast, Can we turn Tyler down a little bit? He's a little loud right now in general. And now he's getting a little aggressive. How many shots of tequila did you have this morning? Be honest. Did you start with your regular two or? I only had the three. But seriously, let's turn Tyler. Tyler down, Georgie. You were able to, how do I turn my headset down a little bit? Can we get... Exactly. Uh, it's Ken, a little loud. Get Ken down 10%. Get Ken down 10%. Ken, okay. on behalf of Valuetainment and PBD, I'm sorry for Tyler. That was aggressive. <laughs> I apologize. Okay. So, so that we was got a, Mickey Mantle in the that house was a today. Let's bit, all be friends. That was a little bit more than 10%, George, if you can bring it back yeah. up slightly. <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, today, you have a surprise for us. You mm-hmm. said you brought a box. Do you want to show them what you brought? I don't know if you have it with you or oh, if it's, it's outside. In the, it's in the green room. Is it in the yeah. green room? Yep. Can I have one of the guys grab it and bring it so we can maybe uh, break yeah, it but here? They, just bring the whole bag because I've got supplies in there, too. Bring hey, the bag, baby. Can you, uh, whoever is uh, in there, send somebody to go to the green room. He's got a box to open up. But while they're doing that, mm-hmm. tell us what you just did with some famous guy some people may know last week on the day that Will Smith, that whole story. T- tell us what just sure. happened. So I flew to uh, flew t- to Toronto okay. with a box of 1986 Fleer basketball cards. Can you put that up there so people can see which one that is? Originally came out at probably 25, 50 cents a pack. Uh, went down in 88 to like $4.99 on closeout. And now is about a $300,000 box of cards. So we opened up that box, and then we opened up 10 cases, thank you, 10 cases of a product called uh, 2020 Panini Flawless Basketball, mm. which is a obviously a modern product, but people are looking for this very special LeBron James card that has the logo off his jersey from all three teams he played for, Cleveland, Miami, and uh, the Lakers. Lakers. So we were there. I was up in Toronto Sick. at a uh, you know, private gathering and um, spent about six hours with uh, with Drake. Uh, about four of it opening up cards and uh, two hours of it watching the Oscars and eating. <laughs> so, so, so this whole thing with Oscars is going on. You're yeah. watching it live while you guys are open up cards. What, what happened there when he's, uh, you know, so Will we, Smith? So we... Um, we you know took did a promo shot yeah. sh- showed what we're gonna do. You and, and Drake, you're saying yeah, yeah. Drake and I, Drake and let's I. Just, let's not gloss over the yeah, fact that you're yeah, spending yeah. six hours of Drake opening yeah, up yeah, cards. Yeah. Ken. <laughs> By the way, can you just show that real quick? Can uh, you give us permission to show that or no? That, sure, yeah, absolutely. If you want to show a clip of that, out of them yeah, you together. can go uh, go on. You can go on at Ken Golden. It's probably all the best nice. videos. Yeah, go to yeah. at Ken Golden. Uh, is that at Ken Golden or who is that? Golden? Yeah, that, that's yeah, okay. me right there. Okay. So okay. which one do you want to show? So show the um, show the one with me holding uh, six uh, six cards right there. Okay, go to the left. Oh, that one right there. there Put the audio. I know. <laughs> so there's Ken and Drizzy oh, here we go. hanging. So right off the bat, you can see that is a uh, on the back of the cards a sticker. Yeah. So we've got a Kareem sticker on the back. Let's see. <laughs> Look at Drake. Now is Drake oh, a collector yeah. or no? I. Uh, 
Drake uh, actually, in about a minute, opens up his first ever pack of cards. Ever in his life? Ever, he said ever in his life. So, um, turn off the audio. And how did you guys get hooked up? Uh, what happened was he was, and, and I'll tell you when to, to click it back live as soon as you see him go to do it. And, you know, he's got some of his friends there. We're drinking. He actually said, you know, the first thing he goes, okay, who, we're going to do whoever gets the better packs. You know, the next guy has to take a shot. And I'm like, I will not be here if I have to take 20 <laughs> shots. I don't, I don't know what you're like, but uh, that's not going to be uh, that's not going to be me. A great game he just yeah. started. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, but uh, Drake was looking for this card, and he was doing it um, by using breakers. And breakers are people who actually open boxes of cards for you. So they do it on YouTube, they do it on Instagram Live, they do it on the other social media apps, and you buy into a break, and they'll open the cards, and you know hope you pull a big card. So Drake was doing that with um, with a breaker and then hopped on to my Instagram live about two weeks ago. And, you know, I went in with somebody and we had a bunch of cases and we started opening up cases. And what I did was I did what's called a case war with Drake, where we each opened up a box and whoever got the better cards out of the box got the other person's box. And these are 20,000 boxes, two, three, four, five, six at a time. So, um, you know, it got a lot of publicity, a lot of attention, I, you know, and but I, I felt that, you know, you can't, you, it doesn't give the same effect as if you're there with him because all you see is champagne poppy and people can be pessimists and they can say, I bet that's a social media guy typing in. I bet it's not really Drake because, you know, he wasn't showing his face. So we uh, arranged for uh, cases to be brought to him in Toronto. And, you know, I didn't tell anybody because it's Drake. I mean, he can say no at the last minute. And, um, you know, he had originally contacted um, a gentleman who runs a um, publicity site for trading card card uh, called Card Porn. And he looped me in and uh, we put it together and we flew up there and um, made it happen. And instead of just the flawless, I also, during my live, I... Behind my shelf, I have this box of 86 Fleer. And I held it, and Drake said, oh, wow, 86 Fleer, Michael Jordan rookie. That's really cool. So I surprised him, and I brought that box with me to uh, to Toronto. So I said, before we do the Flawless, we're going to open up this uh, Fleer box. And that's really where all of the um, excitement happened. And I believe he is about, in a moment, to open up his, um, his first pack of cards. If we want to go back, um, we'll check it out in a second. So he's looking... And he didn't want to touch the cards. He, you know, they're fragile. You know, these packs as an individual pack can sell for $7,500 to $10,000 per pack. pack. One pack. And there's 10, uh, 36 packs in every box. So I said, no, I'm not going to come out here and, you know, have you not do it. People want to people see you open the cards. You know, let's, let's open the cards. So um, let's, uh, let's see what happens. Okay. Oh, we missed it. Okay. Um, here we go. Let's take a peek. Is this the one he's open? This is his first is it, pack? Is this the, um, this is my pack. Let's see what he does pack. What an amazing name. Oh, that's okay, the Here one. we go. World Be Free. That's world Be great, Free. Uh, almost as good as Men of World Peace. No, that's World Be Free. Is, is very Way better. Jerry Sitching. Eric Floyd. Purvis Short. This, I think, is his fourth pack because uh, I see other ones Scott. up there. Vern Fleming and a Magic Johnson. Magic a, did, did you ever open up cards or no? Did you ever open yeah, up a pack? Yeah, when I was a... Kid, yeah, I loved yeah. it when I was 10, 12 years old. Loved basically, it. so he pulled the first pack he opened. Um, he pulled a um, 
Michael Jordan rookie. And, you first. Know, the first, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to go, um, you know, it, it's got to be up there somewhere. But um, basically, so, yeah, so he, like, he was hooked. Sick. And uh, people, like, a lot of NBA players were joining in. Uh, Logan Paul uh, joined in. Um, you know, other rappers were joining in. P- people were just going crazy. Every, everybody, uh, everybody loved it. But before we broke, um, and there's, there's a picture of the Jordan, uh, one of the Jordan rookies. That, that Jordan right there is how much? If you can, a PSA 10 of that goes a, for what? A PSA 10 goes for about in the vicinity of 275000 to 325000 per card. We pulled three of that exact card, and we pulled three of the Jordan rookie stickers. But also in there, you know, the, the reason it's so iconic is it was the first major basketball product um, in years. So it had the rookie cards of Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, Chris Mullen, Isaiah Thomas, so many others. Um, so there are so many cards in there that if they grade properly could be 5000 to $15,000 a card. There's one oddity, a, a no-name player named Johnny Moore, but his card is scarce in a 10. One of them graded a 10 recently sold for $90,000. Um, and he's like a common otherwise. But if you can get the card in the 10, because there's only about 60 of them, and everybody wants to get a complete set with all the cards in a 10, wow. it's very valuable. Wow. It's kind of crazy. It's a common, mm-hmm. but there's only 60 of them to have a complete set of PSA 10s. You need this guy to get a 10, and it's a 90K. Yes. Nobody could even tell you who Johnny Moore is right no, now. No, absolutely not. You just made him famous. Yes. This, again, <laughs> it's been since 84. Past time. Let, let me ask you. Yeah. We have, all, sort, we have <clears throat> all sorts of guests on. We just had Jank Weger on the other day. We've yeah. got a, you know, a laundry list of amazing names that are coming on this week. What is it about Ken, and what is it about cards that appeals to you that you're like, we got to have talk to Ken? Because mm-hmm. you've been you know, quite unabashedly, unashamedly been a card collector for years. So what's your story with all this? Yeah, listen, for me, look, he started, I think you started collecting cards in 78 is the story I read. I was born in 78, but the first time I got a card was in 89 in Germany when Germany was in the World Cup. I went to a local liquor store and they were selling these packs for like nothing, Hmm. 50 Fennec or, you know, and I I bought a pack. I opened, I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this guy's. And then I was addicted. I was hooked. Oh, yeah, and then I came to L.A. The first time I got a big card was, uh, remember the one where uh, you would pull up the upper deck card of Shaq and you have to mail it in and they would mail in. Which card was okay, that? So, so, it was 1992. Yeah. And, and here's, the, here's the story. The reason that you had to mail it in was because in 1992, I ran a company and I owned a company called uh, Classic. And I signed Shaq exclusively to a contract. And I'll tell the story. Um and what happened was um, I met Shaquille O'Neal, signed him to a contract, and I put in his contract that he is not allowed to appear on anybody else's trading cards until January 1st, 1993. I knew the significance of what doing that meant because I knew that the NBA has licensees. I was not one of them. I knew they had licensees that start putting out cards in September prior to the season. Good move. Um, so when you know, I sent a letter, a legal letter to the NBA – Tops, Upper Deck, and Fleer after I signed them saying, we have this contract, you better not violate it. I was summoned by David Stern to the NBA office and shook my hand, met me, and uh, then put me in a room with, at the time, the deputy commissioner of the NBA, a gentleman by the name of Gary Bettman, who, um, of course, for many people know him now for many years as commissioner of the National Hockey League. And he 
went on a profanity-laced tirade to Shaquille O'Neal's agent and then basically said to me, um, you know, I should hold Shaq out from appearing in any game um, until he's allowed to appear on our licensee's cards. And this is um, October. No, no, Batman's berating you yeah, or Batman. Stern? Batman. Oh, Batman. Batman. Oh, wow. Stern, Stern was very nice. Stern said, hi, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Let's, you know, hope you guys can work this out. Um, but Batman was ber- ber- berating Shaq's lawyers um, and, like, trying to get me upset. And I was, I was a young kid in my 20s. I wasn't going to be – I just wasn't going to be phased by any, any of this stuff. So finally he said, we can, you know, we can hold Shaq out from playing in the NBA until he's allowed to appear on a card. And my response was, that's fine for me because I'll already be sold out of my trading card product, but I don't think the Orlando Magic, who just selected him number one and signed him to that big contract, would appreciate that. And then his face turned red, and we ended up working out a deal. And the deal was that I said, hey, I'm a publicly held company. We issued a press release that said no other card company can do this. We are not going to let any other card company do it. However, they can put in a coupon, and if somebody pulls that coupon out of a pack, on January 1st, they can be sent Crazy. a card of Shaquille O'Neal. And that invented the redemption card. That was the very Crazy. first redemption card in history. And that they had what Upper Deck did was they put a silhouette of yeah. Shaq's uh, in black and white, and it was called a trade, trade-in for Shaq. And what's funny is if you did not send in that redemption card – it's worth more than the actual card you redeem for because everybody, of course, sent it in, and so few of them exist mm. uh, not redeemed. Really? That, yeah, that would have been 1992-93 Upper Deck Series yeah. 1 basketball. So I got that card, and I got a, uh, another stadium club. Uh, you know, the stadium club, he's rebounding it, yep. coming down with it. Beam team. Yeah, and then uh, uh, the, during that time, Upper Deck had a uh, 91 or 92 Sergey Fedorov and Yarmir Yager rookie card yep. that was coming out during that era. So I would go to Albertsons, no joke. My mom would go to sleep at 11 at a shopping cart in the back of the apartment in Glendale off of uh, Broadway and uh, Broadway and Verdugo right by the post office. I'd go, leave the house, get on the shopping cart, go to all the trash cans locally, collect two-liter bottles and cans, go to Albertsons by 2 o'clock. I would recycle this with my friend Adrian. Then we would come back just to be able to buy a box of upper deck to get a Sergey Fedorov and Yarmir Yager. That's how much I loved cars. This as was a your kid. thing. Oh man, this was like I'd go to all the shows, the Eagle Rock show, any of the shows that were local. I'd go to it. So and did did it ever stop? Meaning, like you did this as a teenager, yeah. then when you were in your twenties, you were I focusing on business. Took a break from you know military. Probably ninety seven to oh four. I took a break, and then I got back into it, and then I deployed a few million in the last few years. But that's. That's a that's a whole uh, different story. So so coming back to you today, some of, sure. some of the guys that are looking at cards. And by the way, if you want to put that box out so we can see what box you have, I'm curious to know what you brought with you. Ken's brought a box. It's a surprise. I didn't know about this box. Okay, so this is a what? Can you tell us what's special about this box? It is 2003 Topps Chrome NBA Basketball, and the key with it is you've got the rookie class that features LeBron James as the number one draft pick. The what they call the base card of LeBron, and I'll just go over PSA 10 values because it's easy. That's like a top grade. Uh, the base card of LeBron is probably in the $8,000 range, but they have a card that is called Refractor, which is randomly inserted of LeBron. That's about $100,000 a card. And then if you're really lucky, um, they have an X-Fractor and a Gold Refractor. The gold refractor in a PSA 10 is about a $1.5 million card. 
That's that's <laughs> so, and, and wait and and not the key is not they're all numbered. Those are numbered to fifty. Not all of them have been pulled, which means somewhere out there in some of these unopened boxes exists this potential million dollar plus trading card. So for somebody that doesn't know, a box like this goes for what twenty bucks, forty bucks, eighty bucks. Uh, that box is in the vicinity of twenty five thousand dollars a box. This is a twenty five thousand dollar box here today. So should should we open this box or no on live? Yeah, yeah, I think we should. <laughs> so we'll split the profits so, and I'll just go live our best lives. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll put, put that, that over here. There. By the way, if you if you if you want to see us open this box, let us know through Super Chat. We'll pay attention to it. I mean obviously we're not gonna raise twenty five K but if you want us to open that up, let us know. We may do it on this pot. What I, what I do want to do before yeah. I go to you is the following. Okay, Ken, uh, for some people that are like, come on, man, baseball cards. I mean, why the hell would a trading card sell for as much as it does? An article came out uh, recently talking about the top 10 most expensive cards ever sold. Now, you're going to correct this article. I'm certain of it. It's on page three. It says uh, number 10 is Hannes Wagner T206, 206 PSA 5, sold for $3.1 million. A PSA 3 Hannes Wagner sold for $3.7 million. A uh, Wayne Gretzky 79 OPG, the one I sold for $2.1 million, sold for $3.75 million. Hannes Wagner PSA 2 sold for $3.75. Can you see it or no? Here, let me give it to you. Yeah, it's not- uh, here you go, right here, right here. Right here. You got it right Oh, here. okay, okay. You're looking yeah. at the wrong one. I don't yeah, know why they you put go. the wrong yeah, one. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Mike Trout, 2009 Superfractor autograph, sold for $3.9 million. Pat Mahomes, sold for $4.3 million. Luca, on his birthday, is sold for $4.6 million. LeBron James, RPA, rookie patch autograph, sold for five point two. Mickey Mantle, 52 tops, sold for $5.2 million. That's a PSA 9, by the way. That's not a 10. That's a 9 that sold for $5.2 million. And then Honest Wagner... T206 SGC3 sold for $6.6 million. Are these people crazy for spending this kind of money on cards? No. Um, not only are they crazy, and a lot, a lot of people talk about cards and they don't understand. what Trading cards realistically are a serious collectible. You know, People who buy ultra-high-end trading cards are the same type of people and the same mindset of people who buy uh, Van Goghs, Renoirs, Warhols, um, and things of that nature. What you have to realize, and I'm going to give one example, T206 Honus Wagner. Now, T206 means you know, tobacco, and it's just a designation. 206 was the serial number they gave back in the 1930s and 40s when they were coming up with a catalog system of cards. But the set was issued in 1909, and they put the cards in packs of tobacco, you know, either pipe tobacco uh, one brand was chewing tobacco, but basically cigarette tobacco, and they would stick the card in a pack. Um, those cards became very, very popular. It was a turn of the century. had Ty Cobb, Cy Young, Christy Matthewson, everybody. Mm-hmm. But Honus Wagner, the legend goes, did not, even though he you know, was a big, big cure of tobacco, mm-hmm. did not want to promote tobacco to kids. So he demanded his card was removed from circulation. Huh, interesting. And um, it became very, very scarce and very desirable. If you go in history... And you look at every single time that card is sold, there's probably in the vicinity of 50 known in various conditions, graded uh, you know, by the various companies. But if you go in history and look at all of the sales of a T206 Honus Wagner, and what I'm about to tell you, I don't think you can look at and compare to any piece of art, any, any precious metal, or any stock. Every single time an individual Honus Wagner has sold and changed hands, 
it was for a higher price than that exact same card sold previously. So if you look at all approximate 50 cards and you look at all the hundreds of transactions every one of them has had since 1909, there is no documented case of anybody who bought a Honus Wagner, whether they bought it in a horrible condition or they bought the best one possible, has ever bought the card and resold it and lost money. In fact, this chart is already outdated because a uh, graded 3 PSA 3 Honus Wagner sold uh, about a month and a half ago privately uh, for $8 million. So, and I know, you know, the, there are other cards on here that if they sold would shatter. If Ken Kendrick ever sold his Tetro 6 Wagner 8, he would get $40 million plus. The first person to sell a 52 Tops Mickey Mantle in a PSA 10, there were three of them, is going to get over $25 million if any of them ever let it go. And I've tried aggressively with, with all the owners. Um, we tried together one time together. Yes, we I did. made an offer to you. Yes, you, yes, you, yes, you did. Yes, you did. It was a pretty aggressive offer. It was, it was, it was a fair offer. However, these individuals, um, you know, there, there's <laughs> only one that's a potential target. You know, what number did I give you the day you and I spoke? Uh, I'm comfortable if you say publicly. What number did I? It began with a two. I don't know the exact yeah, number. Yeah. So there you yeah. go. So I made an offer to buy that. I really wanted this car, yep. but it is what it is at this yep. point. Yep. Yeah. And um, basically, the mass-produced cards, you know, that you buy in a store today out of a pack that are not random, that are you know that are just you know they, they produce tons of. That's not what we're calling talking about the the investable assets. We're talking about the investable assets or the truly rare cards of the all-time great players, whether it's a Honus Wagner, whether it's a Michael Jordan, whether it is Will Chamberlain, whether it is um, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, you know, Wayne Gretzky, for example, as, as you've learned. And, and, you know, to give an example, you set a record for the highest price hockey card ever sold. And then the card was resold <laughs> after that for you know two three, yeah. three and a half million. Yeah, for three and a half million dollars. I sold it. Everyone's calling me. Oh my gosh, Pat, two point one million for the two cards because yep. I did the tops and the yep. OPG. Yep. Six months later, it sells for three and a half million dollars. Yep. The one card. Yeah, yep. the one card. The one. <laughs> and by the way, the guys that bought it from me, the tops people that mm -hmm. bought it from me, were the rally guys that yep. bought it. Correct. And they yep. sold shares of the rally. Yep. And the 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 believe it or not, on the OPG ten, one of the guys that was bidding for it is. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky who yes. was bidding for it. <laughs> yep. I got a call. I was on a call with Bruce McNall, and I'm sure you know who Bruce McNall mm -hmm. is. And they called me. They said, hey, let's see if we can do something here with this card. I'm like, look, it's between you or it's between Heritage. Heritage was coming to me. I don't think you and I had done uh, uh, any kind of dealings at, at the, the time. time. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so they came through, and then we're like, okay, let's try this. Um, I think it's going to sell for this much. Okay. And they said, we guarantee the guard's going to sell for a million dollars. We think, or else we can take the, what do you call it, the reserve off. Yep. I said, okay, sounds good. Next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm sitting there getting text messages. Here's what it's sold for. But so, so in other words, what you're saying right now is these folks that are buying all these cards, they're not making any they're, – they're not dummies. They're not naive. Now, who, who was not in the market that's now in it? Meaning, like, you know, at first Bitcoin, it was all, you know, oh, my gosh, it's because fiat currency and da, 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 da. And then next thing you know, all right, I'll buy $100,000. Okay, I'll put a million dollars. And the next thing you know – Michael Saylor's of the world. I'll buy, you know, this many. I'll buy this. And then Elon Musk and then hedge fund and then mutual funds. And then, okay, now it's legit, right? What have you seen yourself? Having been in it from 78 today, what were some of the events that completely changed the card business? And who's entering in a market today that maybe 10, 20 years ago would have never even looked at it? 
Well, the biggest thing that changed the card business was really the creation of uh, PSA, the uh, authentication and grading company mm -hmm. in the uh, early 90s. You know, prior to that, you know, and it's always funny when people pull out these um, mail-in publications from when, like 1979, I'm 13 years old, and it says, you know, Ken Golden, Garwood Drive, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, uh, which was my address at the time. And, you know, I would say Mickey Mantle, VG-EX, very good through excellent. So it was me, my non-professional, but, but, you know, somewhat trained eye, calling the card very good, excellent. The person buying it, they didn't see a picture of the card. They didn't know the, if the card was authentic or not. They had no independent grading authority. What PSA did when they came into the marketplace is they did two things. The first thing they look for is, is this a real card? That is the most important thing. Is it, is, it, is it not a reprint? Is it not a counterfeit? Is it not a forgery? That is always going to be the most important thing. The second thing they did was they established a grading scale between 1 and 10. Uh, with 10 being gem mint and one being poor. And what that allowed people to do as they gained uh, trust and as they gained market share and acceptance was people were able to buy a card sight unseen. And you were able to buy and sell the card in, in a commodity. So, for example, if somebody ran a hedge fund, they can say, okay, fine, I want to buy five LeBron James rookie refractors in a PSA 10. They never had to see the card. They never had to look at the card. They can put it in an asset portfolio. They can line list it as 2003 Topps Chrome LeBron James Refractor PSA 10, and it had a value. So that between that and establishing the price guide, what that allowed to happen is it went from when I used to go to card shows and people would just go to card shows as a kid – um, to now being able to buy and sell over the internet and buy and sell, you know, at first early in the late nineties, it was eBay. And then obviously companies such as golden, um, you know, where we, you know, sell, you know, tens of millions of dollars of this stuff virtually every week. But now the people that are in are not just collectors, you have individual investors, you have serious collectors, you have the entire foreign market in 2012, Literally, I would say less than a tenth of 1% of Golden's business was probably overseas buyers. Now, I would say 25% of all the weekly new registers are from outside the United States. You know, not 25% of our volume yet, but 25% of the new people coming in. In addition, you have these fractionalized share companies. You mentioned Rally. Mm -hmm. So you've got Rally. You've got um, Collectible. You've can, got, you, can you tell people what these are, yeah. how it works? So you've, what, what happens, it's basically, it's crowdsourcing. What they do is just like a stock, you know, you talk about Tesla. Tesla has probably hundreds of thousands or millions of people that own a tiny, tiny, tiny fractional piece of the company. That's what a share of stock represents. So what they came up with said, okay, let's take a collectible. Let's say the collectible is worth $100,000 and the customers can't buy it, uh, you know, because an ind individual can't buy it, it's too much. But what if they want to own a small piece? So let's say you can take a $100,000 item and sell 10,000 units of $10 each to represent. Now somebody can own a tenth of a percent, a hundredth of a percent. That's great. They can order, uh, yeah. own 5%. And that is what happened with Rally and your uh, Wayne Gretzky Topps rookie card. That's even what happened with Rally and a copy of the Declaration of Independence. I sold Rally a couple years ago a T206 Honus Wagner that was a uh, PSA, um, excuse me, it was, I think, an SGC Authentic. 
It went out at an issue price of $500,000, which people thought was high at the time. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's trading on their platform at $2 million. So it is... Um, That's crazy. Yeah. And by the way, Rally, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rally also helped collectors who owned the cards increase the value of the cards because... Now they're buying. Uh, now there's more people that are participating. Mm -hmm. So the card that I sold to Rally for whatever number they paid for the tops, I think they paid eight hundred grand for it. Immediately, that card went up to one point two, one point three million because they yep. were selling the shares. Yeah. So Rally kind of helped increase the price of cards. I just sent you the link with Declaration of Independence if you want to pull that up. But please continue. Oh, so so that is a big part of it. Also, now there are mutual funds that are um, buying cards. There are dedicated trading card funds where, you know, I know uh, one company has is already, I think, on their uh, their third different fund to buy trading cards that are buying cards. That started with a company called uh, Blowout when they did the Blowout Wax Fund. Talk about a fund you wanted to get into because they did it really before the boom. Uh, they started it, I think, in uh, 2019 uh, before the, you know, before the whole COVID boom with collectibles. Um but they took sealed wax product like this, and they just said, okay, fine, we're going to put a uh, $2 million of sealed wax into a fund, and now the fund has a value of about $11.3 million. Um, but you've got hedge funds out there that are allocating a percent of resources to it, so it really has become an alternative asset, and you've got people – um, like Tiger Investment Group that, uh, you know, they go out and they say, can you can you speak at our conference and can you do this? And people want me to go, you know, all over there. And, you know, somebody will be talking about art. Somebody will be talking about um, real estate. And I'll be talking about uh, trading cards. Is that what's going on tonight? Is that kind of what's going on that, tonight? That's, that's, ex yeah. that's exactly what's going on yeah, tonight, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so uh, Adam, did you have a question? I think you wanted to ask something. I'm learning over okay. here. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, so, I do have some questions, but mm -hmm. we'll get to that. So, so what, what do you own? That you'd never sell. Mm. Uh, so one of them, uh, and we we did. I guess we did a watch down with uh, with, uh, with Drake, where he showed off his new watch, and I said I never wear. I'm not a big jewelry wearer. I don't wear watches. However, this was a special occasion, so I wore my 1956 New York Yankees uh, World Series watch. That was uh, George Weiss's, who was the president of the Yankees and in the Hall of Fame. So I wore that watch, and uh, it was most all the players and the, and the, the team, they all selected rings. You can get, do you want a ring or you want a watch? And the Yankees had, you know, players want rings. But, you know, the manager, Casey Stengel, and the president said, I've got so many rings already, I'm going to take a watch. <laughs> so I own his watch from uh, 1956. Is that kind of what it looks like? Uh, the one, the Rolex, where it says on the left. There you go, right there. Something yeah. like that. Yep. So, um, except my my guy because he was president, and he got his studded out with diamonds. So it's 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 uh, it's uh, is that, that's cool. Is that Yogi Berra? Is that's that Yogi Berra. Lawrence wow. Berra, but it's yeah. Yogi. Yeah, yeah that's, that's Yogi Berra's sick Rolex. That's a sick yeah, Rolex. Yeah, what? can you imagine that? Yeah. I, so you own one of those. I own one of those, and you'd I, never sell that. No, no, no. And I own a um, you know because I'm I'm a big I'm, I'm a card guy, but I'm a big memorabilia guy too. Mm -hmm. Card car, look cards to me are more of an investment and less personal. I don't necessarily have an emotional attachment to a trading card. Um, you know, I, I have, I do have a complete T206 set. I do not have a Wagner, but I have a plank, which is about a $250,000 card as part of the set. Um, you have a complete T206? I have a complete T206 set, yes. Really? Yes. 
Um, Someone's got to gift you Johannes Wagner. Yeah, one well, of the well, 50. Well, they're just we, got to say, Ken, you got to. If, if we, you know, if, if we go public um, and I sell some shares and, you know, then maybe I'll use some of that money to complete my set with the Wagner. Um, That's cool. But uh, the other thing is I own uh, Babe Ruth's bat from 1927, the year he hit 60 home runs. Sick. It's a PSA 10 and it has uh, provenance directly to Claire Ruth uh, when she gifted it to um, the Babe Ruth Museum back in the uh, early 1970s. That, that's that's going to be uh, very, very that, high that, to Yeah, that's, that's, that's in the millions, yes. Okay. Hey, Got Pat, it. It, yeah. you said that the one thing you would not sell is the Yankees Rolex watch, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is there – because you've been buying and trading and selling. Is there something that you're like, I would not sell this card? You, you sold your – you're Gretzky. You got a couple million bucks. Boom. Is there anything you would not sell? I don't have. I don't have the card that I wouldn't sell. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> if that makes any yep. sense, the card I want that I would never sell, I don't have yet. Got it. But I'm a patient guy. So, and I'm, and this said card, we won't name yeah. names. If you did somehow acquire it, it's yours for life. I don't think I would sell it. I, I don't think. I think it'd be in some kind of a museum that I would keep. Are you I, gonna I, tell us what it is? He knows what it is. Yeah. He knows what it is. He knows what color it is. There's, there's a couple. Tyler, there's, right? a couple there's, a, there's a handful of there's them. There's a couple okay. options, and two of them we've discussed already. <laughs> Pat, you, uh, you, uh, uh, some, some wheels are turning over here. Yeah. I remember when I first started coming to the Dallas yeah. office, PHP Valuetainment, and I saw that there were boxes of cards of yeah. your top guys, your yeah. your employees, your your contractors, sales guys, yeah. your sales guys. So. Was that some of the, sort of the motivation with well, starting I actually this? got the idea of the baseball cards for our sales guys from Ray Dalio because he talks about it in his book oh, uh, wow. in uh, Principles. He says they have cards for all their uh, all their guys. Yeah, it's a very good idea, by the way. We have it for all our guys. Yeah. Every year we give it away. Are those worth anything? To our guys it is. Okay. We're giving it away in the next I couple would, weeks. If I got my hands somehow on a Ricardo Aguilar card, I would hold on to that for the rest of my life. <laughs> I would sleep with that Aguilar. under my I don't know if you would sign it. I don't know if you would sign <laughs> some, it. Problem. Some of Ray's, um, that's Bridgewater, right? Mm-hmm. Some of his uh, smartest, best, and brightest are um, extremely high-end uh, trading card collectors and investors, if that, if that tells you anything about that the mindset of people. To me. Yep. That makes sense to me, yep. though, to be, to be able to do something like that. Okay, so uh, uh, the box. Do we yes. want to open the box or not? Do we want to kind of start opening the box, or do we want to wait till second half for Matt to be here and we'll wait? How far is Matt away from here, by the way? Uh, 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 tell me. By the way, we have um, – uh, w- what number do we have? We have two super chatters. Yeah, the Matt, moment we get to 20, whatever the amount is, the moment we get to 20 super chatters, we'll open a box. We've got 18 more to go. But i got a couple questions here for people that ask. One guy said, rejoining the hobby over a year ago, this is Goker, I noticed a horrible drop in the quality control and customer service. Ken, do you believe Panini – has intentionally rec- has been intentionally reckless due to losing contract on sole manufacturer. It's a Ooh, technical that's, that's question. A bad question. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing: I I think that the trading card companies over the past couple of years have been dramatically overwhelmed, and um, you know my viewpoint as a collector is I would think that if I open up a new pack of cards, you know nobody's ever touched it, right? Every card should be a 10. If it's not a 10, at least it should be a 9. Now, a 10 is gem mint. That means perfect. A 9 means mint, which means it can have a tiny imperfection, like maybe off-center, left to right, top to bottom, or on the back. But that's my viewpoint as a collector. Every time I open up a pack of cards, if I 
handle it properly, every card should be a 9 or a 10. That is not happening. And that's what he's referring to. What has happened is the increase in demand has forced them to go to other places to print cards that may not be um, used to printing Quality. cards yeah. to handle the overflow production. The other issue is, is as companies like Panini produce these ultra-high-end cards like Flawless, mm -hmm. like Eminence, which was horrible to get graded. I would, it came out to pay. I think they canceled it because it was so difficult to, to, you know, to keep the quality. Yeah. But the cards are so thick. They're making such a big surface area that they're giving so much area on the corners to get touched up and to notice that there's a tiny ding on it. So, yeah, but so, look, people have been opening up cards of some of those products and literally be getting a five or a six right out of the pack because the card was mishandled. Um, the other issue and the problem that, you know, companies like Panini and Tops have is when you have an athlete autograph a card, you know, they're handling the card. So the athlete's going to sign a card and he might drop it on a table. All of a sudden it's got a ding corner, you know, and that's, you know, it's a signed card of that athlete, but it's got a ding corner. So all these things play. But yeah, 100%, um, I would say if you look at trading card product produced in 2012 through 2016, the 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 ratio of cards that are perfect out of the pack were, pack were higher than they are now. But no, there's zero chance that Panini is mad that they lost their licensing to Fanatics and is intentionally uh, producing poor, no way. poor poor quality yeah. cards. No, Panini would, wants to sell as much product as possible while they have their license. They want to make as much money as possible. And possibly they want to look good as possible so they can be a takeover target by Fanatics, just like Topps was a takeover target. You know, it, it, look, it only makes sense for Fanatics to want to start making trading cards earlier than 2026 in basketball and football, and that and that uh, Panini and Fanatics will work out a deal for the licensing. I hope so, because it, it, it was a brand that everybody was swearing by and yep. talking about for, for many, many years. Yep. Silly White Boy's got a question here. says, let's get that box. That's his name, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we know him. Let, let's get that box open. Ken, have you gotten into... TCG like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! If so, what's your opinion on them? Sure. So first of all, as a personal collector, I do not personally collect TCG. However, um, my eight-year-old son, Paul, is a big Pokemon collector. Um, I also, for those of you who follow me, know that um, I have broken Pokemon cards with Logan Paul. And, um, you know, I'm friendly with him. And Logan is actually an investor in Golden. So I recognize, and he's a huge, he's the biggest Pokemon guy out there. He wore at WrestleMania two nights ago. Can you ago. put the picture up? He wore he, this card two nights wore, ago. In yeah. fact, that's why that, that card is not on here. That's a list, list is also outdated because he paid $5.275 million for that Pokemon card right there. You see a PSA 10, yep. and he paid $5.27 million. 5. Now, what makes that card so special? It's, um, so what it is, it was a special promotional card of Pikachu, one of the most loved characters, like he's designing the Pokemon cards. It's called called the Illustrator. There are only, I think, there are less than forty that are known, making it in theory rarer than a Tito Six Honest Wagner, although it was made a hundred years after. Um, so it, it is a modern card, but it is it is basically the Honus Wagner of all Pokemon cards. And this is my viewpoint on Pokemon and TCG. Um, and it's also my viewpoint on comic books, um, which I think is really a, uh, a, a, a blossoming investment for, you know, for collectibles. 
baseball is really a U.S. sport. Um, you can say, you know, Asian sport as well. But, you know, you go and go to go go to the street and ask a kid, do they know who Roberto Clemente is? Do they know who Willie Mays is? A lot of them won't um, ask a kid if they know who Joe Montana is. They're not going to um, ask a kid if they know who Charizard is, Pikachu is, <laughs> Batman, <laughs> Superman, Spider-Man, Wolverine. They're going to know. What and it's point. global. What a point. So you have. You you have a worldwide population. I don't know how many people in the world right now. Is it five billion? Eight billion. Eight billion. Jesus, it escapes. So eight billion. You have access to the entire world where they know these characters. Whether it's the TCG characters like the Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, or the especially the Marvel and the DC characters. I mean, Marvel is part of Disney now. So years from now, people are going to say, "Oh my God." Wolverine actually had a comic book. Spider-Man had a comic book, and I can own the the creation of that, or I can own a Action Comics number one, the first ever Superman, or Detective Twenty Seven, first Batman, or Batman number one. So I think that I really like all of those areas long term, based on the fact that it has you know a a constant replenishing of the potential people who uh, might be interested in buy that product. Very cool. The, uh, Alan Carpoot uh, just asked a question. My son, who was 13, purchased a rare 2016 Bowman Chrome Tatis, Fernando Tatis, autographed a rookie Twitter, number 23, right before the COVID card boom. What do you think that card is worth now? Oh, my God. Okay. So the um, two, let me put in the Tatis, put, let me put this in perspective for you. So the, that's a variation. It is, I believe, a retail variation, not out of the hobby box. So if you compare that to a red refractor of Tatis, uh, which is limited to five um, autographed, that's going to be in the range of two hundred and fifty dollars to $350,000 for the card. Uh, so this card, um, I'm not great with the retail versions, but it could potentially be uh, $50,000 plus on that card that he pulled in 2016. So a 13-year-old kid got a 50000 auto card. There you go. Good for him. Got to love it. By the way, this is a 25000 auto uh, box that uh, will open up here in the second half uh, shortly. But so, so another question for you. In, in, when it comes down to – I saw you the other day. You talked about uh, a player that I also feel is undervalued, a card, an investment that's undervalued. Who do you think is overvalued today? Who do you think is undervalued today? So, one, I'll kick it off for you, and then you can go from sure. there. You said Willie Mays. I agree with you. I think yeah. Willie Mays is fully undervalued. I also think the guy's jersey I'm wearing right now, I'm wearing a Ruth mm-hmm. jersey. It's not a mantle. It says Ruth in the back. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Ruth is undervalued. I don't think Ruth is uh, uh, actually uh, getting the value, the card it deserves. I may be wrong. I want to hear your thoughts. But what would you say is overvalued? What's undervalued? Um. I don't want to get too much into the overvalued because people will like you know people who hold that card will like get get mad at me. Uh, I, I would say that I think that there is a lot of speculation on basketball players who have less than three or four years of experience in the league and whose career could potentially end uh, before they accomplish anything in the NBA. And on those type of players, you need to be careful. I think on some of the younger baseball players who have not made the major leagues 
and people are buying what they hope is future value on those cards. Again, you know, you look at Steven Strasburg of uh, the Washington Nationals, could have been the greatest pitcher of all time, but constant arm surgeries and injuries. Um, look at Jacob deGrom. I mean, he is the best pitcher in baseball right now, and he might not play again this season. Crazy. Because, because uh, you know, my man Steve Cohen, uh, unfortunately, he gets Mac, uh, gets Scherzer, and now, uh, you know, deGrom um, is, is out. I mean, he's trying really hard to win a World Series. You know, I'm, the I'm Mets big, you're talking about. The Mets, yeah, yeah. Steve, for, for those who don't Steve, so Steve Cohen owns the Mets. Um, mm-hmm. He is also one of the, um, you know, on my board of directors and one of my largest shareholders. So um, I, I root for the Phillies, but for him, I also root for the Mets. So it's disappointing to see DeGrom get injured. But I think um, players who are a little bit less established without the track record, uh, that would be the area I put into uh, overvalued. I also think cards like um, people, I, I, it's, what call, it's what base cards. And, you know, this is a pattern you always see. That This is going to happen 100% of the time. You open up a brand new product, the product first comes out, people pull the base cards of the hot new rookies, they get them graded. Those highly graded cards sell for a lot of money. They always go down. They're going to go down because there's a small number of supply at the beginning and people who rush out so and buy them. a very them, good point you're okay, making. You know, like the people, yeah. people buy them when the pop- population report is maybe 500. Mm-hmm. At some point, that population report may be 50,000. So... Don't rush in. You know, I'm not talking about a card like a one of five. That's, you know, the cards that are numbered individually yes. in the card, that's in a different stratosphere. The cards that are not numbered in the, in the newer product, um, don't rush out and overpay them at the beginning of the product cycle because they'll go down. Product, I think, is undervalued. Um, I think, first of all, I do think that Willie Mays as a baseball player is drastically undervalued. Um, I think that most of Babe Ruth's cards are undervalued. I really like the Baltimore News Ruth. I really like a card, his, what is called his true rookie card, called his 1916 Sporting News card. To me, that is one of the five most iconic cards of all time because it is the first professional rookie card of Babe Ruth. And the highest grade of that card sells for a fraction of what the highest grade of Mickey Mantle's card sells mm-hmm. for, for example. Um, I think... Vint, I think the older guys in football and basketball compared to the modern guys are dramatically undervalued, whether it's a Chamberlain, whether it's a Russell, whether it's a, uh, you know, a Johnny Unitas, whether it's a Jim Brown, whether it's a Joe Namath. Those guys do not get the, um, do not get the attention. I think that, you know, I'd like to say that uh, soccer is undervalued, but you've seen such a big boom in the past couple of years that it's really caught up. Like, I have, you want to see something crazy? So this is something we're going to hand out tonight. Look at the numbers on Messi and Ronaldo and during the, during the time period. I mean, that 2016, is, this card, very important. 2016, this card sold for $8,600. That's a Messi card. Four years later, it sold for $116,000. This year, it sold for $304,000. That's a $19,884 increase rate of return. Holland sold for 33, then 148. Ronaldo sold for 1,300 dollars in 2014. 4,000 dollars in 20. Is this is this accurate? The, 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 4,000 dollars in 2017 and 320 just this year. The exact year. same card. Holy so we, sh- those numbers were based on the exact card, the exact sale of that card. 
insane. Twenty four thousand yeah. percent return. Twenty four thousand in a span of four and a half years. Yes, that's yes. insane. So you're saying soccer's one as well to look into. Zion Williamson is it? Is it a? Is it a too risky at this point? Is it buy, yes. sell, hold? What would Zion's you say? a hold. Okay, you can't. I don't think you can buy it. Okay, um, but if you have it, I think you have to wait until he comes back and uh, performs. Um, there's a lot of hype built into Zion. I would say it's uh, definitely a hold. I personally would, um, you know, unless it's like dirt cheap. I like Zion is such an amazing player. He's such a potential dominating. You know, dominating athlete, but is he? You know, how often is he going to play? How often is he actually going to mm-hmm. be on the court? Is the problem? Yeah, they they showed a, 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 a image the other day. I think NBA did or ESP or Sports Center did, mm-hmm. saying the first three seasons, Zion's only played three more games than Odin did. Yeah, in his first three seasons, and, and you know what Odin. happened to Greg Odin? Portland yeah. Trailblazers, you know, and he's done. Yeah, and the other <clears throat> as a category, I think that overall. Uh, sealed vintage wax product. And I mean, I'm, I'm talking about vintage, you know, in this case, I'm saying anything that's like not in current production because every, all these cards, you know, as they get graded, the what's called the population report, how many exist go up. But every time a box is opened of one of these classic products, there's one less in existence. For example, 86 Fleer, I'm an idiot. I'm crazy. I opened up a $300,000 box of cards with Drake. There's one less of those boxes in existence right now. Okay, so um, yes, we pulled all the Jordan rookies, but it's kind of like they say, keep it sealed in the original wow. box. So, t- and, and I think that that is a real safe bet because you go out, let's say you buy a 1996 box of basketball cards, yeah. keep it sealed. You've got Kobe Bryant rookies in there. You've got Allen Iverson rookies in there. You've got uh, Steve Nash. You've got Ray Allen. You've got Marbury. You've got all these guys. It's a bet. To me, it's like a a basket like the S&P where if you see it, and I think it's a safer bet than speculating on one individual player. Like I like 2011 baseball because you've got Mike Trout and Bryce Harper mm-hmm. in, inside the box. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's just a really cool thing. And that, that's one of the things I've, I've collected over the past few years. I totally agree with you about keeping in the box, mm-hmm. except for this one. Right okay. Here. That's fine. <laughs> we, we're one, over Ken. 20. So if we want to open it up, if you want to okay. take the lead with that, we're okay. over. Uh, well, I got a, I got a quick question. Go for so it. We're, we're talking about these older cards, right? Yeah. 86 Fleers, the older Honus Wagners, da, 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 da. people that are watching today that decide they want to go buy some cards, mm-hmm. right? Can, is it still relevant today? And where can you buy cards that would eventually be worth value, like Walmart or a tra- or a trading card store or a hobby store? Well, let me let me first of all, I'm talking about the vintage product, um, but uh, realistically, the majority of the market is modern. And you know, I, I can we've sold probably 20 different LeBron James cards for a million dollars or more. Um, Tom Brady, there exists hundreds of Tom Brady cards that are a million dollar plus. People. With the modern product, because the way they produce it, back in the day, they only made one version. So the 86 Fleer, there's no Michael Jordan card that there's only 10 of or or 5 of. Every single box of 86 Fleer has the exact same Michael Jordan card in it. But today, you know, you can open up a a box of cards and say, okay, LaMelo Ball. Um, There's going to be different variations of him. There's going to be some that you don't know how many are printed, but many others that may say one of one, which means it's the only one of that particular rookie in existence, one of five, one of 50, one of 99. So there are people that are getting really rich by either being incredibly smart or being incredibly lucky. 
there's going to be somebody who opens up a box of Flawless and has a $4 million LeBron James card once that triple logo man is pulled. And that's what Drake is looking for. There's people that open up something called Bowman Chrome um, and Bowman Draft, uh, which is where Topps puts all its rookies and young players. There are people who are going to open up and find what's called a Superfractor. It's a one-of-one card. It is like um, you know the ultimate card to own of that player, and that's going to be super valuable almost no matter who it is. But if you have the next young hot prospect, like we sold Jason Dominguez uh, for half a million dollars. He has never played a game in the majors. He's probably <laughs> two years away. He probably will not see the major leagues at the earliest until 2023. We sold his rookie card because it was a one of one for 500000 because they're projecting the future yeah. value and saying, hey, when Derek Jeter was a rookie, he did not have a one of one card. So what That's would a risky, Jeter, though. What would a, of course, it, it, yeah. it is. It's it's. It's it's high stakes, high, you know, high risk, high reward. Yeah. You know, it, the the modern cards have a higher beta associated with them than the vintage cards. The vintage cards, you know, if you want to if you want to put money into vintage cards and then just have them slowly appreciate, that's fine. The modern cards, you can buy, you can spend a hundred dollars and literally have a card that two years later is five thousand dollars. Just so people want to know, with the PSA grading service, how backed up are they today? Let, okay. Check this out, by the way, Adam. Okay. How backed up are they? Okay, so a year ago, PSA was 12 million cards behind. Uh, I believe that they have reduced that backlog down to about 4 million cards. And, um, you know, what that means is this prop, they're probably, you know, they used to have this service called Bulk. And you know, people would be able to send in 100, 500, 5,000 cards at a really discounted price. And what that did was it log jammed the entire system for everybody. So you could have a $25,000 card and your card was stuck because somebody with a $50 card sent it in for $8 grading service and you know they're, they're, they're in front of the line. So what PSA has done is they've opened up a way where people, if you've got a card basically that's $500 or more, you can cut the line. You can pay, they've got you know a $50 service and a $100 service all the way up to $10,000. You send a million dollar card, you're going to pay $10,000 to get it graded. But you know, to get a graded reel and you, you like the grade, it's worth, easily worth the $10,000. But yeah, if, they, if they, all they did was concentrate on the other service, they are probably um, six months, I'm going to guess, to uh, to get rid of uh, that backlog. All right. I, I got to ask. Mm-hmm. I got to ask, Kevin. Sure. Seems like this is like the hottest thing on the planet right now. Clearly. Yep. So here's my, you're not going to get offended by this. I no. hope not. Mm-hmm. But. I remember a time when I was a kid and I was collecting, you know, 86 Mets and I was mm-hmm. a, it was like a big deal. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up mm-hmm. and I was more interested in hanging out, partying, chicks, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Now this is kind of cool again. I mean, let's just use what you're saying. You're hanging out with Drake. Yep. You're doing things with Logan Paul. I saw you on your Instagram. You're throwing touchdowns with Tom Brady. Yesterday. I mean, Steve yeah. Aoki's opened up a card shop with our boy Dan Fleischman. Like, yep. it seems like the cool kids are in this market. I remember a time, my buddy Josh, who might be listening, maybe five, ten years ago, he told me he was collecting cards. I'm like, you're a straight-up nerd, bro. Straight yep. up. Yep. Nerd alert. Why Why is this a cool thing now? It basically seems like you and the card game has gone from geek to chic. Please explain. Is it all about the money? That's my question. Is it just simply, it's an asset class, there's money there, you know, follow the money, the cool kids are in it now, Drake's in it, what's going on? Well, it's it's definitely part because if it's an asset class, but it also it, it gives you honestly 
there are, first of all, there are people who just love the cards. They love the look. They love the design. They get excited opening up packs. But do you, do you bet on sports? Not anymore. I've, okay. I've been to GA. It's a problem. Okay. But, okay. So, so, but you, let's say so you've, you've bet, people bet sports, right? Yes. They, they like sports, don't they? Correct. Okay. I'm a big sports fan. Okay. Just don't get it twisted. Okay, fine. So if you, if you bet a game of sports, do you feel that you have any control, any control over whether or not you're going to win that bet? No, I wish exactly. I did. So, well, if you Unless said, I knew uh, Tim Donaghy. Yeah, if you if you said you did, you're you're lying or or you're or you're uh, delusional. Okay, right. because if you bet sports, you know, it's it's it, the theory is it's fifty fifty, but less than fifty because the house takes money. Mm-hmm. The difference between sports and cards are is trading cards, especially modern cards, could be a little bit like sports betting. However, you actually have some control of your outcome. Mm-hmm. You can go out and decide, okay, fine, I am a baseball expert. And baseball is the best one because uh, a lot of people don't know the young players. I can go out. I, I read the scouting reports. I know, I know information about this guy. I can put money into him. You you know a basketball player. Let's say, let's yep. say you went to University of Kentucky, okay? And let's say you saw Tyrese Maxey. And you know Tyrese Maxey went way lower than he should have in the draft when the Sixers got him in the 20s. Mm-hmm. And you put money on Tyrese Maxey when he was, you know, some of his cards were $50 or $20 or $500. Those cards have about 10 to 30 x since he was drafted. So you, when, you do, when you do something in trading cards, also it lets you root. So all of a sudden, guess what? It doesn't matter if you're a Knicks fan. You own a bunch of Tyrese Maxey cards, you're a 76er fan, and you want Tyrese mm-hmm. Maxey to do well. So it, it, it's, it's like sports betting. However, it lets you have more direction. It lets you have more control, and it lets you use your expertise a lot a lot more than betting a single game. Okay, That's a very and, good way of explaining it. And, and having, and having a, a, fluke, a fluke tip tip ball run back for a touchdown, yeah. something like that. So, so that is part of the reason. Part of the reason is an alternative asset class. The other part of the reason is that breaking cards has become entertainment. You know, I was breaking a box of cards with Drake, and I had hundreds of thousands of people watching. I broke a mm-hmm. box of Pokemon cards with Logan Paul. Over 10 million people have seen that video on, on YouTube. So all of those things have transformed. And when you look at a company like Fanatics, I mean, here you take a company that had no sales, um, no history of sales, no employees, and when they initially went out to take investments, I think they got a $4 billion valuation. So that shows you the what the market thinks, and they're gonna, they have so much money invested, and they, are, they have tentacles everywhere. So they're going to have the players promoting the cards. The leagues mm-hmm. now own a piece of the company. So you're going to have you know, the leagues promoting it, and you're going to have commercials. You're going to have all these things, which is why I like everything that's out of print, because the theory is if you 5X the market or 10X the market, guess what they have to do? They have to print more product, right? They've got to make more product in 2023, 24, 25, 26. So I'm going back 2019 and earlier, and that's the type of stuff I'm buying because if they are going to bring all these new people into the marketplace, they're going to want to buy something, you know, that was pre pre 2024, right? There you go. Did that answer your question? Yeah, no. You? Are it, you feeling a little it, bit more comfortable it, about essentially it? Essentially, the answer is it's all about the money. So. And it's, <laughs> if you want to diversify, 
rather than uh, picking a sports betting uh, a random yeah. game, you get a player. Yep. Can I ask a follow up with sure, this? Sure, of course. So it says here that you know, because I'm a big just invest in the S and P index mm-hmm. fund. Mm-hmm. I don't do individual stocks. You know, who mm-hmm. knows what's happening with the market? Yep. Who knows what's happening with Tesla? Mm-hmm. But I'm very confident the S and P is going to go 10% year over year over year mm-hmm. as, as it's it. So let me just read you some numbers here. If you invest ten thousand dollars. Uh, in the S and P index in 2007, you'd be sitting on 71 grand right now. So seven x your money. If you invested that 10k uh, into an index cards for trading, it'd be worth 165 grand. Not so bad. So over double that. So um, to your point, picking out cards, individual uh, individuals, is there an actual index? For cards, like if I said, look, I don't know if I, if tra- if I want a Trey Young or a Zion or a Brady, I don't want the responsibility of picking this one card, whether it goes up or down. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Is there an index that people can invest in, just like the S and P five hundred? No, there there are funds out there. There are a couple card funds out there. I know that a company called Alt has a has a fund. I know mm-hmm. that Blowout has the Wax Fund, which uh, I like as well. And I know that there are. Other entities that I think they're doing it more for uh, for private clients. There are indexes like if you, if you go get an app called Card Ladder, mm-hmm. um, it is a pricing tool, and they have like an app of you you can check sports by basically typing baseball, basketball, and they have a ba- they have a basket of the most highly collected uh, cards, and they show you what the trend is on that individual card. But no, they, as as it gets bigger, it would be great if there were. Uh, readily accessible funds. The closest thing to it now that you can buy without being an accredited investor is mm-hmm. probably the fractional share companies. Um, you know, whereby you can buy an individual. Like, hey, you, know, you want to go out and get Mickey Mantle cards? Mm-hmm. You know, buy shares of Mickey Mantle cards or buy shares of Michael Jordan or LeBron James. That's the closest <clears throat> thing to it right now. What are now. those companies called again? Uh, you've got Rally. You've Rally. got Otis. You've got Collectible. There's a new one coming out with some ultra high-end uh, items called uh, Liquid Marketplace. I think they're launching in the next month or two. Um, but those are four groups that would be, um, you know, if, you, if you're looking to do that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very helpful. We ready? Thank you. Let's I'm do ready. it. Go okay. for it. Lead the way. Okay. So let me just get these Lead ready. Lead the way. Lead the way. Okay. So, Adam, what are you learning so far? Hey, Tyler, are you a card guy at all or no? Uh, after this episode, possibly. I used to when I was younger. Way, I used if, to have a ton of cards. If you're right. watching this right now, I'm curious. What has this done to you? Because you know the one thing about investment. A lot of people are like, "Why do you, why do you interview?" Uh, you know, there was an era I was interviewing a lot of bodybuilders. I get so many complaints. Why are you interviewing bodybuilders? I don't care about bodybuilders. You're a business channel. Why are you interviewing mafia people? I don't care about mafia. It's a business channel. Why do you interview card people? These are the things I'm interested in. Yeah. Right? I'm interested in collectible cards. But if the audience is listening and you put a little bit of time into it, there could be a pretty good return for you with cards. How are you processing today's conversation? Well, at the end of the day, just to circle back to what you said, whether it's bodybuilding, whether it's mafiosos, whether it's even the Ken Golds of the world, everyone's an entrepreneur. And they're doubling down on their specific skill set. So I'm learning that Ken is an expert in this. And you know how they say that the riches are in the niches? Ken's getting rich doing this. And he's following the, the most beautiful thing in life. Is but when is you're, it making you are you are you sitting there saying no? Ten percent of my money goes into no. cards. No, but if there was an index fund, yes, because part like you used to keep two hundred cards on your desk. Yeah. If the maid got you know feeling uh, some type of way, she stole five of the cards. You wouldn't even notice. Boom, you're down fifty grand. So for me, I wouldn't want like well, a card so, tied up in my uh, here you go my house. Here you go. So the, 
there has been a solve for that. Like, yeah. for example, if you go to uh, Golden Auctions, yep. or if you go to, uh, you know, we're now we shorten the name just to Golden, golden.co, not com, but golden.co, and you click on Vault, uh, mm-hmm. what you can do is you can vault your cards, you can have them digitized so that, um, you know, you can see the cards and you, you know, there's a price guide analytical tool as well for it. So people buy, like literally right now, we've got about $125 million worth of product of individual's product in this secure vault. It's fully insured. You never have to worry about it. You can log into your account. You have a portfolio of all your cards. If you sell a card, you can give us instructions to ship the card to somebody. If you want to put it, you can, you know, click and you can list it on the uh, on, on Golden to uh, Got it. you know be sold or for auction. So and there are several other vaults out there. Um, obviously I'm I'm Golden, so I'm going to pr- promote mine. Um, but and it's a actually a completely free service. There's zero oh, cool. cost. We insure it for free. The other thing it does is if you buy something, let's say from an auction house elsewhere, and you are in a state that collects sales tax, the vault is located in Delaware. Therefore, you ship it to the vault, mm-hmm. and um, there's no you, know, you you deduct sales tax off your invoice. The old Delaware approach. Yep. yep. So there you go. So, so you're saying that you don't necessarily have to hold the tangible card. Correct. But Pat, you have all your cards. Correct me if I'm wrong. Unless uh, there's almost something. all of it. Not all. Okay. Of it. So why do you hold on to all your cards rather than <clears throat> use the, a, the, the service? It's going more in this direction, but uh, you know, if you. Some people have places where you put it in the safe because guests are coming over. You open up the car. You kind of right. look at them. There's something about looking at your cards. If you're an old – that's how I am. I like to take my cards out once a month and take a look at what them. What percentage – like I feel like there's three different classes of people. I mean if you're struggling and you're poor you know, and you're not making a lot of money, just save up – save your money. Like save yep. that money. 100%. Like have cash. Yes. Like don't just try to get a Mickey Mantle rookie card and then you, you're, you're broke. Okay. Cool. Then there's the person who goes from just, all right, I'm trying to be a saver to try to become an investor. Now, the first thing maybe you should do is have a 401k, IRA, like get just the basics. And then the third class of person is maybe someone like a Pat is like, dude, I'm good. I got the cash. I got the investments. Now, let me look to diversify my asset class. So rather than just stocks, businesses, real estate, now you're getting into crypto, NFTs, cards, you know, certain sort of uh, rare collectibles, coins, what have you, gold even. Is that essentially the basis for investing or what do you recommend? Like who should definitely not spend all their money on cards and who should step up to the plate and actually diversify? People who uh, need the cash in the bank to cover food, rent and insurance should not be um, not be spending it on cards. Okay? okay, that's, you know, that's, I, I, you know, I think that, Level number two, I know a lot of kids that are in college that literally have a, you know, come from middle class families, have seven figure bank accounts and seven figure card collections from from buying and selling and investing Crazy. over the years. Um, I know some some 21 year old who goes to school in Philadelphia who I've been trying to hire for two years. I can't because I literally can't, you know, can't pay the kid $150,000 <laughs> a year because he's, you know, you know, making 5x that uh with cards on on the market, like mm-hmm. as we, as we have golden up here, um, you know that's an obviously another place you can buy. We're we're more high end. Like we have an auction running right now. We have items that may range from a thousand dollars to over a million. But virtually every name we we spoke about, except the Honus Wagner, whether it be Mickey Mantle, whether it be LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Jackie Robinson, Babe Ruth, 
all of those items are, you know, available in some variation uh, at Golden right now. Um, but getting back to uh, the box, you know, and look, I there are people I deal with. I think they're a little nuts. There are people that have ninety percent of their um, investable assets in cards, and they feel that. They want to invest in what they know. They feel the stock market is manipulated. They feel that people are crooked. They don't believe in, you know, they feel there's not free trade. And they feel with trading cards, you know, they have a competitive advantage and that they can hold the assets and they can control what they buy and what they sell um, and not be up there where, you know, some, I don't want to pick on any publicly held company, but, um, you know, where they, they own, I will pick on one uh, because, I was stuck with some of the stock, um, you know, where they got Peloton. They thought they got a great deal um, buying it at uh, at eighty bucks because it was down, and then they, you know, it goes down to thirty because they, you know, announced when they put out their earnings that oh, by the way, we've been really sucking for the past couple months, and we didn't we didn't give anybody advance warning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, they don't want that to happen to them. You know, they don't want that to happen to them, and they don't or they. Or they, they look at the financial crisis, um, you know, you can pick one. But in 2020, when they said some people, you know, the COVID came out and, you know, everybody forced the market down and then all the um, billionaires bought it all up cheap and now it's higher than it ever was. Right. So they want to have some control. And, you know, typically the younger you are, the less likely you are to, uh, to buy stocks. Thank you. Let's open it up. Sure. Let's, okay. let's lead the way. So this is, this is, this is what's called the, uh, the hot pack. So we're going to do this last. Okay. Okay. Um, now, the key with this card is... Tell me what, why, you, why is it called a hot, hot pack? Because this, has, this is a hobby exclusive, and it has a guaranteed called a, a, an X-Fractor in here, which okay. is one of those rare cards. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Okay. There's one guaranteed X-Fractor in this box. So what we're looking at, and um, with these cards, they are... Um, let me move this over here. There it goes. Now, I should have brought, um, brought a mat. Notice how he carefully opens the pack. Yes. In fact, Notice me, um, how his hands are not dirty. Okay, here we go. I'm going to want to see who I got. Okay, so we have... And these you got to be careful not to touch. you got Corey Maggetti. Are we able to see this, by the way? If or? you can, yeah. If you can put the camera... Uh, uh, can you guys zoom in one of the cameras? John, if you want to come in here or George so we can zoom it in. Okay, so Corey, Corey Maggetti. Okay. okay. Duke. I remember him. Steve Francis. Okay. Stevie Franchise, yeah. Kurt Thomas. Miami Heat. Checklist, we don't want that. What is that card you say? It's a checklist. Checklist is not. Okay. And Mike Sweetney. Okay. Sweetney. Georgetown. What I will tell you is people are going to say, oh, my God, you got fingerprints. Um, Some people open up cards with gloves. You Mm -hmm. can damage the I find you can damage the card that way because you don't have the real feel. And what people do is they can take a microfiber and just clean a fingerprint off it. And anytime you you send a card out to get grading... Um, if you're not taking a, 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 a microfiber and touching the card to make sure you're removing your fingerprints, you're, you're downgrading your grade. Now, Ken, there's only five cards per pack? There's only five cards per pack. Okay. Excuse me, four cards, 24 packs per box. Four cards per pack. i got to tell you, the cards are cooler than I remember. They're <laughs> yes, like, they are. They're, they're like almost risen right, a little let's see bit. What we got here. Matt Harpering. Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose. Yeah. 81. You know what's 81. Pavlovic. What's 81 in Kobe Jaylen scored Rose? 81 on Kobe Jaylen. scored 81 on yeah. Travis Hansen. Okay. Travis Hansen. I don't remember that guy at all. Here we go. 
This box. Can so be- some of these cards are just whatever. Some dude who never made it whatsoever, and then you got guys like Steve Francis, who's arguably a Hall of Famer. Yes, you got a lot of rookies. Also, these guys all made it. They're all in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we got. Oh, is this able to show it all? If you can zoom in. Yeah, we got Jorge on the case. If Jorge's around, we're going to be okay. Brent Barry, who was one of the greatest fantasy players of all time because he had amazing percentages Brent everywhere. Brent Barry, wow. He, he won the dunk contest. Yeah. Bobby Jackson. Great point guard. Minnesota. Marcus Banks. Okay. Marcus Banks. Come on. UNLV. We need a LeBron out of this box. To make yeah, we do, Ken. Okay, well, we, we just pulled a good rookie because I sold the back. Okay. Okay, so we have a, um, we have a better rookie. Um, it'll be the last card. Let's hope there's more in this pack. Manu. Definitely, definitely a future Hall of Famer in the back of this pack. Ginobili? Manu Ginobili? No, no, no. no, no, no. Who do we got there? No. That is Ginobili. He's definitely, I mean, he's, I think he's Ginobili. Already, he, he just he got, just got elected in, yeah. to the Hall of Fame. Eddie Curry. Bust. Richard Hamilton. Rip Hamilton. Rip. Hall of Famer. He lives right across the street from us. Oh, you know it's serious. Ken just busted out that plastic covering. And Who do you got there, Ken? A chrome Carmelo Anthony. Wow. Chrome Carmelo Anthony rookie card. You put that that right in the plastic. Yep, absolutely. Mello, shout out to you, buddy. This way you guys won't get your fingerprints on it. What's something (laughs) like this go for? Um, It's... It's it's not a thousand dollar card, but okay. at least at least at least it's a few hundred dollars. Few hundred dollars. Yes. So a rookie mellow nuggets. We got a rookie in the back of this one. Not the rookie I want to see. Okay, we got Latrell Sprewell. Sprewell. Joke his coach out. That's if you first thing I thought about. <laughs> Karan Butler. Karan, assistant coach of the Heat. Murphy, and I got to look at these carefully just to make sure I'm not skipping over a uh, refractor. I probably have already. Because the refractors, they, they're the same front, but they're just shiny. So, and all these cards are kind of shiny. So, again, th- is this basically what you did with Drake? This is exactly what I did with Drake, yes. Now, the difference with the 86 Fleer box is because they were all well-known players mostly, you, um, you had a lot of cards that everybody wants to get. Andre Miller. And they also only had 132 cards in the, in the set. This mm-hmm. is a much larger set. Andre Miller, very underrated point guard. Jason Yeah, Terry. he was actually pretty good. Terry the Jet. Jarvis Hayes. Okay. Come on. Pat's just looking for a Dennis Rodman rookie card. That's that. Well, that would be 1988. See, he knows. 88. Same year as Pippen, I believe, right? That Fleer. Yep, exactly. That one set. Wally Zerbiak. Wally's Kwame Brown. Talk about draft Oh, great podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, this one's for you, Tyler. We got to get Kwame on the scene. He's he's blown up, by the way. He has blown up with his like if you two years ago his card would have been irrelevant. Now he's who was he fighting with? Was it um, he was getting into it with uh, a commentator like Matt Barnes and uh, all all the smoke podcast? Stephen A. Smith. Was that the one who was? Oh, called? it was Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. Good call. Stephen yes, a. it was Stephen A. Smith. You're Stephen right. Smith. Okay. You're right. Well, who doesn't have beef with Stephen A. Smith? If okay, so we have. Smith, so you can see right here, right. we have a refractor. You can see the difference? Yep. Yep. Okay. So let's hope it's somebody who's good, because if it is, that'll pay for the box. Eric Snow? Nope. Eric Snow. Penny was Hardaway? The second best player. <laughs> to, uh, Penny? Penny? No, no, no. Penny Hardaway? No, no, no. no he just said a penny. Oh, we have a good card. What do we got? What do we got? Oh, we have a really good card. 
We have a Tracy McGrady game worn. Sick. T Mac. Okay, so let's get that. Tracy McGrady game worn jersey. Yes, you have a. It's a 25 refractor. Okay, so we pulled. The first one of these I've actually pulled a 2003 Chrome. Can you um, can you uh, zoom it in? It's uh, see if you're on it or not. Do I got to tilt it? Tracy McGrady. That's the angle right there. If you got it, that's the camera. Okay, you see it or no? Is this okay, good? good. Yeah, they can let me see show it. the back. Let me show the back. You can see where it's got the congratulations and you got the number 25. It's one out of 25. Yes. Huh. So what's something like that go for? I couldn't even quote this off the top of my head. So it's I've never. Um, I know the million dollars. Yeah. No, no, no I, wish, I wish. I wish. <laughs> but it's it's one in million, yeah. so no. one of twenty-five. It's one of twenty-five. Okay, so that's good. Let me put this in here too. T Mac could could have been going down as one of the best players ever if, if he avoided those five injuries. out of twenty-five. Yeah. That's uh, go. so that's a good one. And then we got the last one is uh, Josh Moore. Okay, never even heard of him. All right, we got T Mac here. Oh, wow, it's a little piece of his jersey in the card. Yes. It's actually pretty dope. Yep. Game-worn shorts. So they cut off a little piece mm -hmm. of his shorts. And they put it in the card. Put it's it in the sick card. What they started doing, yeah. Ken, I remember back in the day when I was growing up in the uh, 1920s, oh. I, it came with gum. Please, God, be good. Here you go, PBD. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, crap. Okay, we got a really, really, really good card, but not of a really good player. Gary Payton. Okay. Gary Payton? What do you mean? No, no, no. No, that's, no, that's no. His... We got Payton Zerunis rookie would be 1990 or no 92, I believe, right? With... Uh, Payton, I think would probably. I think Payton is. I think 90, 91. Yeah. Uh, Derek Coleman, same year as uh, Coleman, I believe. Zerunis Ogaskis. So this is what's known as a black refractor. It is one of the holy grail cards. If this were LeBron, we'd have a half a million dollar card right now. Who's that? Whose card is that? This is Mike Miller, three point Mike, specialist yeah, for the Heat. Yeah, Memphis Grizz. Now, so if you can somehow like that, is that in the few thousands or no? Um, I only if if it's a ten, yes. Wow. So this is um, limited to five hundred, but the black refractors are very very tough because it's because of the border to get you know really high grade. So this one is definitely. This one's perfect. That's why it was so good. Mike Miller. Mike, Mike Miller. Miller was... Uh, you won it for the Heat. Yeah. Game seven. Okay. Now, uh, Ken, if you could somehow pull an Arvita Sabonis, the best passing big man of all time, <laughs> I would love that, man. Who was that for? Who would that go to? Was that you and I? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when you open these cards with Drake, and every first card had the stick of gum on it, how, yeah. much, how many cards are actually high-value cards that you can't get the gum off of? Um, luckily with Drake, we had, dude, there was none on a Jordan and none on any of the key rookie cards. Um, they don't do the gum anymore, right? No, they don't do gum anymore, luckily. But they used to. Why did they put the gum in there? It was, uh, Because just... Top started as a gum company. It was Bazooka. You know, Bazooka Joe. Bazooka you know? Joe. Great yeah. gum. Yao Ming. That would be a good card if it was a refractor. Nene. Nene. Just like yeah. Elvis, one name only. That's right. And Maurice Williams. Nuggets. Okay. You remember Nene? Mo Williams. Yeah, of course, Nene. I'll yeah. do one here. Yeah, Adam, let's you want to do, do one or no? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Tyler, do you want to do one? I'm, just, I'm interested in that one. All right. Let's see what we got here. PVD. Okay. So the way you're doing it is... So I go like this. 
I take it up top, mm -hmm. I hold the edges, and I just pull it out so that it can go like that. And then once I get a, once I get a seam, I just carefully it peel it. Hmm. Take it at the top. Can you grab a scissor? <laughs> I don't want to screw this thing up. So you're just pulling it up? Did you want me to... Um, you want me to start the packs for you guys? I would love for you to do that. I could see myself pulling this apart and butchering it. PBD, would you send that to, to Ken? If that has, if that has my Arvita Sabonis card in there. I'm running out the studio, Ken. Nick Van Exel. Wow. Oh, yeah. I watched Six this point guy play so much with the Lakers. Before Kobe, it was Nick, Nick Van Exel. Nick Van Exel, yes. Yep. I got a Dewan Wagner. Do you remember Dewan Wagner? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Came out of high school, I believe. Keith Van Horn. His son is the is the number one uh, number one high school player in the country. Really, player. point yep. guard. Yep. Wow. Travis Dewan Outlaw. Travis Outlaw. He played for um... Adam. Let's see your luck, Adam. Here we go. <laughs> I know this guy. Duncan's rookie is what year? Huh? What's what year is Duncan rookie? Ninety nine. Duncan is uh, is. 98, is 1997. 97 or 8? 97. Yeah. Is he won, uh, he won with uh, David Robinson? Yes. In 99. I got dropped. Oh, oh, hold on. Hold on. What? what do you got? I don't know what just happened here. What? But I got a Kobe. Okay. I got a Kobe, Pat. There we go. This is for you, PBD. I like so it. So let's, let's get it. What do we do with here? I just pulled a is Kobe Bryant. Is that a Draco worth anything or no? No. That's so cool. Put it in here. Put the Kobe you, you, in here, too. You're going in? You see this? You I just Kobe. got a Kobe. Pat, because I love you so much, I'm giving you my Kobe card. Unbelievable. Here you Let's go, the sir. Kobe in here. Thank you. I got Jamal Mashburn, who I just saw at the Heat game the other day. Good for you, Mash. Jamal Mashburn. Yeah. What, what story you know about Jamal Mashburn? I don't know. He was doing some shady stuff in Kentucky. What do you got? Jamal Mashburn. Remember the three J's? Jason Mavs, Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, and Jimmy Jackson. Jimmy Jackson, yes, that's right. Jimmy Jackson. The I three. got Brian Grant and a very underrated big man, Zaza Pachulia. Remember Zaza? Did Brian Grant play with, uh, is that his brother or no? No, right? Uh, no, you're thinking the, of Harvey Grant and Horace Harvey Grant. Grant. No, yeah, yeah, Brian yeah. Grant was a heat guy with dreads. Uh, I think he's run into some health issues recently. Uh, but he got traded with Lamar Odom to the Lakers. I got a Ricky Shaq. Davis, mm -hmm. Carl Malone, Carl Malone, Matt Harping, Harpering, and then I got a rookie. No, I don't think that is. John Thanks, Stephenson. Ken. Here you go. What do we got here? That Kobe card. Jamal Mesh for Brian Grant. Ken, I appreciate you um, opening up the cards. <laughs> <for me>. No <laughs> problem. <laughs> By the way, the only time, this is a little graphic, the only time I open up plastic stuff, I guess, if I'm opening up a condom. So this is, uh, <laughs> Marcus takes me back Camp. to my old days. Marcus Sorry, Camp. guys. Use protection. That's all I'm saying, kids. R Reggie Miller. Oh, I got a uh, refractor. Not a great guy, but is refractor. And I'll show you guys how you can tell the uh, difference. One second. Sean Marion, I mean, you got it. The see. Matrix. Lamar. By the way, I, I will say this. I'm Elton feeling very Brown. childlike right now. This is like a cool <laughs> feeling. I, like, I haven't done this stuff in Let me in, see how you can tell so it. So you can 30 see years. the um, refractor. You have to notice that this chrome is, a, the chrome's a little dull here, and it's a little bright here. And you look at the back, and you see the bottom left. If you see 160, it's a yeah. refractor. 
if you see what color, it, like these, or it's not the color. It's got to it, say number 160? It, it, no, 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 no. If it's got to be shiny. So you really have to be able to see it. So I probably should look at your guys' cards when you're done to see if you passed over any uh, see if you passed over any refractors. I think this one might be a refractor. This is Mike Dunleavy Jr. Shout out to the uh, see Dunleavy family. Yeah, this one seems a little uh, and, nice. and what's the big deal with refractors? Somebody's uh, trying to collect a set, and they need to have total refractors, right? Oh, it's, it, getting refractor sets are like is highly expensive and virtually That's impossible. A checklist. Now, what are these checklists for? Uh, so, you, so you know who's in the set? Oh, wow. Yeah, no, this is not a refractor. Okay. So these are all 0304? These are all 0304. Not rookies, though. Just they no. played in the league. Yes, they were in, gotcha. in the league in 0304. Some of these guys. Chris Antonio Weber. McDice. Damn, David West. Ugh. Come on, where are you, LeBron? <laughs> I'm going to put that here. Tony you Petit. To to here you go. Richard Lewis. Ooh, Richard Lewis, great I think player. I just pulled a Dirk Refractor. Yes, I did. Okay. Dirk Nowitzki. So if there's, Ken, if there's one player in the league, not like a Hall of Famer, not like an MJ LeBron, but like a young up-and-comer who's maybe been in the league for the last two, three years, and you can get your hands on his rookie card, who would it be? You're mm. talking like a Luca, is it a Trey Young, oh, a John Morant? The... Well, look, look, obviously, obviously John Morant is doing amazing. His cards have gone up. Luca is mm -hmm. uh, doing amazing. Um his cards have are already up there. I mean, Luca has a lot yeah. of expectations built into his into his card prices, but he, you know, he certainly he certainly can dominate the uh, dominate the league. I think Trey has come off a little bit this year. Um, you know, I, I like um, I think Tatum is you know Jason Tatum, is yeah. really might be undervalued. The guy I'm going to mention somebody. It's going to be a home buddy. Um, but I think is really undervalued, and that is uh, Joel Embiid. My God, um, Giannis certainly. Look, what if Giannis wins uh, four championships and five MVPs? So he's got mm -hmm. one championship. He's got two MVPs. It looked like Embiid was going to win the MVP this year. Now it's probably a toss-up between Embiid and and uh, Giannis. Jokic, you know. Well, yeah, Jok Jokic as well. Jokic is. Um, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, he's. Um, he does not have the type of game that inspires collectors. Is, is Jokic? The issue. Yeah. So you, well, like, he's, the, he's the reigning MVP. He is it's, the reigning MVP. But there are, there, are, there are some players who are amazing players mm -hmm. but are underpriced. Like, for example, James Harden. People don't love buying James Harden um, cards. I think James Harden is, you know, drastically undervalued for what he accomplished. Well, he's got to win a championship to get that respect. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Do you think Giannis can win a championship? According to I, Tom Zanner, he'll I, never I, win one. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom, by the way. I think Giannis, uh, is that anything? It's nothing over there. No, right? nothing okay. over there. Okay. Um, so we got, what, three more packs left? We got, yeah, we got three more, and then we've got, we got three more, and then we've got the, the money pack. Okay. Thanks, gentlemen. Let's see what we got here. Let's see what we got here. Ken, thanks for making me feel like a child again. I hey, appreciate no this, buddy. Okay, I got a pretty good rookie in the back. Let's hope it's a refractor. It's not now, Ken, best. how old is your son? My son is eight. So is there anything more in life that you love just opening up cards with your son? Oh, Real it's talk. great. It's great. It's great. You do this with Dylan or Tico? PBD? Yeah, I would do it. Just, they, they, they like uh, uh, Pokemon cards. See, that's like what Ken that's was what saying. Another too. refractor. But Paul is really into baseball and uh, that's your son. Baseball and basketball, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I am, 
I'm remarried, so I have a 25-year-old daughter and a 22-year-old daughter who until... Okay, so tell me what this is. You may want to look at this. Okay. You may want to look at this, what this is. Oh, there you go. We got it. What do we got? I pulled the LeBron chain. We got the LeBron. (laughs) Finally. Okay. Congratulations. This is it. This is what we wanted. Nicely done, PVD. So, and right behind it, look what's right behind it, though, Ken. That's what you got to see, what's behind it. Whoa. Oh! Wow. Oh, oh, he reaches for the glasses. You know oh, it's legit. Oh, he's got the Carmella Rookie Refractor. This is sick, dude. This, this was the hot pack. So, Pat pulled out the hot pack. Yes. Pat, congratulations. Wow. Today's your okay. lucky day. So, there's that. So, this the is the Carmelo Refractor Rookie. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I just pulled the Boris Diaw, guys. I don't know. <laughs> okay. The French so connection. Pretty decent yeah. defender, though. This is really good. Very versatile. I'm very happy LeBron. we got these two cards. Way to go. So yeah, this is, is it really fair to say that that LeBron card just paid for the pack? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Way <laughs> yes. to go, PBD. Yes. There's a Carmella. Let's see what we got. We got Desmond Mason. Oh, I got something good coming up. Scotty Pippen. I got a Chris Bosh rookie. Mm. Chris Bosch is also a Chris Bosch. rookie that year. Yeah, yep. that was a, by the way, 03. So 03. They call it one of the best, if not the best, right? Yep, correct. 03 right there. And, and D Wade. Here we go. Darko Milicic. Oh, oh. What I just got? pulled maybe the best looking guy in NBA history. You guys know who Sam Cassell is? Of course. Absolute so stud. Doesn't look like an alien at all. <laughs> you are too funny. Tim oh, Thomas. Oh, damn. Okay, so we have, it is Jason Richardson, X-Fractor. Jay Rich. What a dunker. How many, cha- put- how many dunk contests did he win, two? So this is what's called an X-Fractor. You look at it, you can see. I'll pass it down, limited to 220. But they put it in the uh, holders back in the day so that you would um, not get the car damaged. When he when he came out, I mean, people thought he was going to be a, a bigger star than uh, this guy had. This guy had uh, an interesting game. Yeah, when well, he, came he, out. he could jump yeah. through the roof. He just couldn't. You want to see so if any of these are refractors the yeah. before we set them aside? Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. Take a peek. Twenty-five thousand dollar box, huh? Interesting. So now, to get these cards graded, it's going to take us how long? Um, I can get them graded pretty quickly. Okay. I, I know somebody. Ken knows somebody. <laughs> so I do just give them to you to get them graded? We can take care of that okay. for you. Yeah. All right, perfect. Hey, Pat, we have phone calls if you want. Do we? Let's get them. But it's got to be about cards. It's got to be mm-hmm. about cards. They're okay. All, they're all cards. Well, let's do them. Let's get yeah. some of these callers in. We've got Drake on the line. Drake, how you feeling, buddy? Hey, we man. Have, we have Kyle. Kyle. Let's get Kyle Kyle, in. Kyle what's going on? What you got? Hey, good morning, guys. Um... <laughs> I'm just watching the packet and open and uh, watching you guys talk and uh, just had a question on what you guys thought the fanatics deal uh, would have on the industry going forward. Um, I have an answer. Either, either one of you want to answer. No, you can no, okay. okay. do the expert. Okay. So the, let me, let me give you the negative. The, the downside is that, you know, you never really love monopoly, right? You never want one company controlling all the licenses, setting that aside. I think that this is potentially an unbelievable historic moment. Here's what's happening right now in cards. You know these flawless cases I was talking about mm-hmm. that went you know, going for $40,000 plus? I, Fanatics got under $10,000 for those cases. So what happened is that 
the middlemen are the one that, ones that are making all the money. Uh, fanatics is what their goal is to try and put more cards directly into the hands of consumer. So they will get more money for the product, but at the same time, they're going to eliminate a lot of the, you know, the distribution people who, you know, if I own a card store, why, why wouldn't I just want to call fanatics and buy myself? Why do I want to go through a broker? So what that's going to allow them to do is charge more for the product, which in this case is not a bad thing because they're not charging more for the product. They're actually getting it to the customer less. So let's say Panini, instead of getting $8,000 a case, got $20,000 for those cases that are selling for 40 okay? And the consumer was able to buy them at $20,000 a case directly from Panini. So the consumer would be buying them at a cheaper price. Panini would be getting more money. If you get more money per product, you can make a better product. You can put more money into the product. You can put, buy more autographs. You can buy more jersey cards. You can spend more money on advertising. Fanatics is a 27 per their last uh, valuation, $27 billion company. That's insane. So, so they are, and they have, and this is, this is what I love. They have a 20-year license agreement with everybody. So I've competed against Michael Rubin in a former life when I was selling on uh, TV back in Michael the 90s. Michael Rubin, the owner of the 76ers? Michael Rubin, one of the owners of the 76ers, yeah. but the owner of Fanatics, the principal. Oh, is that how he yeah, made his money? that's okay, how gotcha. he made his money, so Fanatics. Got it, got it, got so it. he's the principal shareholder of Fanatics. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a very smart guy. He's very strategic. Mm -hmm. So they have a 20-year license. So you know what they don't have to do? They don't have to flood the market in year one, two, and three. If you want to make money in the card industry, this may be my best tip for everybody today. Whatever, whenever Fanatic starts putting out new product, okay, under their licenses, buy the first two editions, the first two key editions of baseball, basketball, and football. You know, you, you, you got to wait until their product filters in. The reason is, is if they are smart... You know, they got 20 years. They, they got they got to pay these fees for 20 years. They got to make sure that their first few releases blow up in value to support giving them a track record. So I think what they're going to do is is they're going to really create great product the first few, I hope they do it for 20 years. But certainly the first few years they're going to create great great product. They're going to underproduce to make sure they get people excited that the customers make money on the cards, the customers enjoy the cards. It's a great experience for everybody and set them on their on a great track record. Um, I am excited for the industry uh, with the Fanatics deal because I think it's going to drastically expand. I think it's going to give consumers a chance to get product at a better, cheaper price and enjoy the appreciation as opposed to um, somebody that, you know, somebody who has, you know, just taking possession of the product for a week and selling it, uh, making the money. Um, plus, I think it's going to get a lot more players involved. They've got player relationships. They've got all these athletes signed the contract, um, getting really in the weeds. It used to be back in the day, like this jersey card that, you, that we pulled mm -hmm. Tracy McGrady, guess what? It was worn in a game by Tracy McGrady. Uh, the past couple of years, the jerseys have been so hard to come by, they're like literally, they're like shelf jerseys, like right off, they go to Dick's Sporting Goods and do it. So Fanatics is going to make sure they're actually game used and buy the game used stuff and put it on the card. So I think that they are going to make a better product for consumers, and I think that the initial purchase price by consumers are going to be at a more affordable and more realistic price. Hmm. Ken, what is the, the, maybe it's a black swan event, I don't hmm. know, but is there something out there that's that maybe would be a worst case scenario for the cards. Like, yeah, get involved in the cards, different asset class, but oh, we didn't see this coming and all of a sudden the market goes down 20%, 50%. What would that be in this marketplace? 
Well, for me, the um, for out of production product, I don't see that event. Okay, because the product's already out there. You know, like obviously with any athlete, um, you you can have an event like there were you know. You know, Deshaun Watson recently mm-hmm. signed. Okay, yeah. um, obviously he had all the charges. Yep, right. um, you know, last year, two years ago, and his cards went all the way down. Yep. So you know, with any current living athlete, should they do anything to put themselves in disfavor with the public, that can hurt. You're saying uh, more individuals than the actual market. More individuals in the market. The only gotcha. thing that can hurt the market is the card manufacturers putting out a dud of a product or overproducing. Uh, those those are the two. Those are the two major risk factors. Gotcha. What do you think I should do with all my O.J. Simpson rookie cards? Those have gone down quite a bit. I, I don't think they're going to come back. I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I think the novelty, you know, the novelty of, um, you know, him being a murderer has uh, gradually alleged, faded. Alleged. Yeah, alleged. Well, they, they did win the civil case. Uh, so, <laughs> but um, they, uh, it is a, um, it has weakened over time. You know, I was around during that, during when it was actually happening, people yeah. were going crazy for his stuff and for yeah. his autographs during the chase. But, you know, the interest has slowly waned over time. Right. Okay, let's get to the next caller. John, if we got another one, let's go to the next one. Yeah, we have Chris on the line. Chris, how you doing? What's on your mind? Doing fantastic. Gentlemen, nice to see you guys uh, kicking off a Monday, open up back cards with the boys. Um, down to business. So I, I have uh, just a question for Ken. Um, currently have an entire base set, first edition Pokemon cards. Um mm. Majority of the shinies are graded 8.5 and above. Okay. Now, looking at the market, it's very difficult to read because I'm in kind of a unique position where not a lot of people have an entire set. So my question to you would be, how would you approach that? Would you go through an auction? Would you go through uh, – what, what would your approach to be to, to go ahead and, and, and sell those if I was interested to do that? Well, sure. The, the Every time somebody tries to sell on their own, what you've got to realize like, – I'll use Golden as an example. I can touch a yeah. button and I can send out an email that 500,000 people can uh, can get at any one point in time. So if you look at, if you look at Pokemon, for example, you know we did the break with Logan Paul and we sold those packs on Golden. So we have all the high-end Pokemon collectors that are at gold. And if you try to sell it yourself, let's say you try to sell it yourself on eBay, um, mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to be watching. You don't know what type of following you have. You don't know if the bidders are actually bidding because there's no controls over who places a bid. And you don't know if you're actually going to get paid. With the larger, more established auction houses and marketplaces, they approve their bidders they watch the bidding. They make sure you collect. They're going to highlight it. They're going to advertise it. You're not going to be one of 75 million products listed. So you really want to try and find the uh, the right place to sell it and really the right auction. For example, going in, you know, if we have like next month at Golden, we have a um, you know Jackie Robinson auction. Okay, that probably is not the ideal place to sell Pokemon. However, after that, we have a non-sports comic book video game and TCG auction. Um, that is certainly more likely to attract people who are interested in Pokemon than something that's generic. Wonderful. I th- thanks so much for the time, guys. I Thank appreciate you. it. Great, so great feedback, by the way. Great feedback. Thank you, Chris. Next person, John. Uh, we don't have anyone else. Zach hung up, but he did want to know about UFC trading cards, and are you interested? Yeah, UFC has really been taken mm, off. Um, I can imagine. You know, um, we're lucky that Conor McGregor follows us, and he's retweeted some of our tweets every time we've sold a record of his card. But UFC, again, it's it's worldwide. It's relatively new, the trading cards. Um, 
They're, they are rapidly gaining an audience, not only for the fights, but rapidly gaining an audience for the trading card collectors. And it is a, it's a hotly contested license. So, yeah, I, I like UFC cards going forward. You got to get your hands on one of these Patty the Batty cards. That's my guy. Yep. That kid's going to blow pa- up. Patty the Batty. You know that guy? Yeah, of course I know oh, Patty. great. <clears throat> I, I, bought a, uh, I bought Connor's best card, uh, which was the autograph, and I think it's like one out of 25. If you know which one I'm talking about, Connor has uh, uh, $30,000. It wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of money, twenty five mm-hmm. or $30,000. And uh, w- with things like Aaron Rodgers, would you say Aaron Rodgers is underpriced right now, undervalued right now? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would say I would rather buy – I'd rather invest in Aaron Rodgers cards than – say, Patrick Mahomes cards. Really? And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Um, I think that, you know, first of all, he's a Packer. You know, second of all, he's got so many MVP awards. He's going to go down as one of the all-time legends. And I think that his cards lost a bit of a shine uh, last year during the whole, you know, I'm vaccinated, I'm not vaccinated thing. And I think his cards went Mm -hmm. down. The further we get from that, People are going to care less. Yep, okay? and he won the MVP again. And he won the MVP again. Okay, and he signed a, you know the largest contract in NFL. Mahomes, on the other hand, um, I think that his cards went up rapidly when people looked at the rookie class and look at looked at the NFL and say, "Wow, this guy's in the Chiefs. He's just going to rush through the NFL for the next five, ten years and rack up five, six Super Bowls." Nope. What they didn't see coming was Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. Joe Burrow, they did not realize, oh my, look, there's an argument to be made that Josh Allen is the best pure quarterback in the NFL. I mean, the, the He's guy. He's a beast. Yeah, the, the Buffalo guy. Bills. Yeah, the guy is absolutely you know, amazing. So I think it's tougher. I love Patrick Mahomes' cards. I love him as a player. But I think it's going to be tougher for him to rack up all those Super Bowls that mm-hmm. people expect. People totally agree with Rogers, you, Ken. Rodgers is Rodgers really, you know, they talk about basketball. They talk about Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe. Rodgers would be part of those, those three, whether it's yeah. uh, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I would say those, those would be my three. Can we talk about Tom Brady real quick? Sure. I mean, he's two the GOAT. Left. He's the GOAT. Nobody's yep. better than Tom. I yep. don't care what you say. Absolutely. What happened where he retired? Some guy bought his last football, his, his last touchdown pass for a half a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Boom. The next day, hey, I'm coming back. Like, how much money did that guy lose? Talk about downs- downside about well, buying in, in, a memorabilia. In theory, had the guy bought it and paid for it, he would have lost uh, probably 90% of the value. Uh, in actuality, the, the football has not been paid for. Uh-huh. Um, if that was done, if that transaction happened at Golden, I just simply would have reversed the transaction because I don't want, you know, the, the ball was advertised as his last ever touchdown and literally the day after it, mm-hmm. it voided. Um, there should have been a disclaimer in there. Right. They could have put something in there that said, hey, Tom Brady is retired. As of today, it's his last football. Mm-hmm. Uh, provided he never plays another NFL game, then, be, then, then they'd be covered. Right now, they're probably, if uh, the auction house Leland's wants to press it, there probably will be a lawsuit, and it'll be interesting to see uh, who wins. But obviously, it's going to cost them a lot of money. But no, that ball was worth, for a second, $500,000 plus, and then it becomes worth what a Tom Brady uh, touchdown touchdown during the playoffs is worth, which is uh, really nice, 
but certainly yeah. between twenty five and fifty thousand. Well, assuming he actually does come back and throws another touchdown. Correct. Yes. Right. Tyler, how are we looking? All right, real quick. Uh, we opened a $25,000 box, right? Can yes. you ballpark? I mean, you had seven or eight good cards, right? Maybe ten. Yep. Can you throw a ballpark number on what uh, what it was worth? Um, a lot of it depends on what that McGrady's worth. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I know the Carmella's a few thousand. LeBron, interestingly, the LeBron um, during the height of COVID was probably a $28,000 card. Wow. Now it's probably closer to uh, 10000 mm. So I'm going to say in the teens, um, how high in the teens, you know, we'd have to go card for card and see what the grades come out. Cool. Well, Ken, I really it's think all that's... all on grading. It's, it's really cool that yeah. you agreed before the show to split this three ways. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're a gentleman, Ken. Yep. I, I appreciate it. Thanks, Anyways, guys. Tomorrow we have who? We have... Uh, uh, so we have Kevin we Farley Kevin tomorrow, Farley Farley tomorrow. Dave Rubin Thursday, yep. Joe Jorgensen Friday. And, you know, it is Bitcoin week in Miami. There's some big speakers at Bitcoin. Some special guests. People show up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is speaking as well, I believe. There's a, there's a few big names that yes. we're talking Stay tuned to this week. week. Yes. It's a big week that kicked off... With the card king himself. Okay, take care, everybody. We'll see you guys tomorrow, 9 a.m. Thank you, Ken, for coming. I appreciate you, you, man. This was wonderful. Great experience. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.